Just a single clap. My other one. One clap. Sorry. Power clap. clap. Everyone a, clap at the same time with just applause, just trying to sync it. Mm. Yeah, just a golf clap. A golf <laughs> clap. That's all we need. <laughs> clear my throat there. Let me clear my throat. All right. <laughs> and on that note, I think we're ready to go. So welcome to Be the Change, episode number six, I believe we're on now. Wow, it's the first t- time, time I've flies. had to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, today we have our third guest, uh, Dario Montanino, who is a good friend of mine and also a very, I would say, successful musician. <laughs> the <laughs> shrimp. not so sure. Call, call it what you will. Uh, he also works in management at, uh, he's the manager of a wireless, et cetera, the one in Costco by McGilvery in yep. Winnipeg. Yeah. Um and has and is an avid gamer I would say so as well. Well, or used to be when I find the time now. When he finds the time, gonna... yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, they kind of lead in together. Um, so welcome, Dario. Thank you for having me. How are you doing Fuck. today? Doing awesome, man. Yeah. Ready to ready to answer some beautiful questions. Some beautiful <laughs> questions, perfect. Hopefully they're beautiful. How are you doing, Riley? I'm doing amazing. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, Jets won. They're going to uh, to round two. It was awesome being downtown, just seeing. 20,000 people in the same place on the street cheering for the Jets and then inside the whiteout and everybody, just yeah. the support and the energy is just amazing to have in this They said city. there are more people outside than in the arena, right? Well, yeah, it's uh, about 12, 5 or 13,000 people inside and then it was over 20,000. I don't want to say 25, but it was, it was somewhere in there just outside cheering on the Jets and it was awesome when they would just flash outside to the camera pan and you just see a sea of white just <laughs> in the outside, which that's just awesome. Yeah. It's awesome for this yeah. city. First series win in that franchise, so. Yeah. It was, I had a cool experience too. I was wearing the, the white oak gear and it said, this is good on the shirt. Or Winnipeg is good. Winnipeg, Winnipeg is, is good. good. Yeah, I see a lot <laughs> of those. Not this is good. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> this is, this good. is also good. good, but. Yeah. <laughs> Winnipeg is good. And it's funny because I got into that mentality of just Winnipeg is good. We're a good city. There's there's a bunch of places we could live, and some of them we, we like to <laughs> think would be, be better, but, you know, we don't have to deal with, there's, like, we don't have to deal with very many tornadoes or anything. There's no, no hurricanes coming here, earthquakes. There's just, it's a relatively safe place is what I'd like to say, and, and it's a beautiful place, too. There's so many great people around. I mean, murder capital of Canada, don't forget that. <laughs> Yeah. No, but from yeah, natural dis- disasters and that we're not in. We're actually in Tornado Valley, I believe. Uh, we're at the end of Tornado Valley, or the yeah. beginning, whatever you want to call and it. And they actually say with climate change, it's going <clears> to <throat> head further north, and we're actually going to be the new Tornado Valley oh, eventually. Great. But that might be <laughs> past our time. We'll see what <laughs> happens scary. to our planet in the meantime. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do we get here? Like F ones, maybe sometimes. We get Formula One cars here. We get Formula One cars. No, we don't. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of like like Winnipeg, like, like, as you're saying, like from a from a lack of natural disaster type thing, and 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 being a decently safe, but even just like cost of living, like in Canada, like it's one of those things where it's just like to to raise a family and to you know to actually be able to like afford you know a vehicle, a house, get almost the job that you want, like those types of things. It's yeah. such a cool city to be able to do that and, and kind of have. I like to look at it as it's it's one of the only Canadian cities that you can almost have everything that you want. And, and be able to afford it type thing. So It might have been a former trainer of mine, but somebody said it's a great place to call home. It's nice to go visit other places, yeah. but you can always come back. Yeah, and, it's unreal. And that's, that's, I think, the best part about Winnipeg is you just you can call it home, you have your friend group, and you can establish yourself and live the way that you want. Yeah. Sweet. Um, 
So getting back onto the topic of Dario, since that's why we're here today. Um, so along with being a successful musician, you're also a guitar player, which is, I believe, kind of how you got into further into music. Yeah, so um, I was always like really musical as a kid. So uh, my dad actually was a singer in Italy. Um, so my parents immigrated from Italy together in the in the late 70s, before, yeah, I think it was like 1978, 1979. And uh, my dad was actually a singer. So um, not a you know, a uh, famous professional singer or anything like that, but he, um, but he came and, and w- when my brother and I uh, were kids, we always heard like Italian music all the time. So it was like the, like the old, uh, they're from just outside of Naples and the like Neapolitan music is very like, it's a very Italian Spanish kind of combination of, uh, of folk music. So just hearing that our entire life, my brother picked up piano uh, and then I actually sang as a child. So that was my main thing is that uh, we used to do these Italian festivals um, at the, at the Italian center. Um, where uh, when as a kid, like as a five-year-old, I'd be singing in front of like a huge array of people, right? It was awesome. Um, so still now, like there's some people in that community that kind of uh, combine. They say, "Oh, you're the kid that used to sing at the at those festivals, right?" Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, throughout uh, throughout elementary, I played clarinet. I played whatever you know was available at that school. Like if they needed something, it's like, "Yeah, that's what you're gonna play." Okay. But guitar was always way cooler to me. Like it was like, man, like you know, it's yeah. those my my guitar heroes are the guys that I look forward to not. You know, not that clarinet player that's uh, that nobody's ever heard of, right? But yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So I picked up guitar actually in um, in high school. So in grade nine, I started playing guitar. So I was actually very late uh, into that whole world. Um, but my parents actually tried to force me to play piano when I was uh, when I was like I think six or seven, and I yeah didn't like it. But your brother Pharaoh Montanino, uh, very successful with the piano, right? Yeah, he's awesome. Um, yeah. he played, I don't know if he still plays there at the, uh, what's the, the hotel Palm room lounge at the Fort Gary. So he, yeah, Fort Gary, yeah. Thursdays is his regular day there, but, uh, yeah, he still plays there. Yeah. And he does, um, it's kind of cool. He does, uh, um, pop music. So it's whatever, like just piano renditions of like any pop or, or anything that you can think of. Right. So a, a really cool thing that he does is he kind of scans the room to kind of see the demographic of what's in there Yeah, and he'll just judge based off of like age groups and, and just anything like that. And he'll, uh, he'll, you know, one time he played, um, it's actually kind of crazy. So he was playing and this, uh, this elderly woman walked up and said, wow, like what you're playing is so beautiful. Like, what is that beautiful piano piece? And it was actually Slipknot. It was actually a Slipknot <laughs> yeah. song. That's crazy. And it was just like, like she didn't know. Right. But it's just the rendition that he did was just so like nice sounding that she had no idea what it was. She's like, Oh, what is that? And he'd like, how does he explain that to, <laughs> to her? It's actually a, uh, Almost a death metal band that's, that's, <laughs> that made that song, right? So, if anything, it almost speaks to how well I guess composed the original music pieces. Oh, if exactly. it can be translated into something oh, else, totally. yeah. yeah, yeah, like how well it's written. If you if you do translate, it. and there's a couple of bands too. Like I mean, uh, like if you take like Metallica, or if you take, uh, um, um, I think some Nirvana songs have been done this way too. But uh, put them into like a like a string quartet, and it's just it sounds like the most beautiful thing ever. But it's like you never would have thought that that would have been, you know, a heavy metal band that wrote it. But just in the context that it gets distributed in is is now, you know, it's heavy metal. One of my favorite songs <laughs> is the two cellos Thunderstruck. Yeah. So it's, but it's the same thing. You don't think Thunderstruck is being broken down into strings. And then it's a perfect song to run to or just introspection. But I think that that's really a talent um, to be able to read the room. I think DJs have to have that talent. That's the one thing where oftentimes that they don't get enough credit is you have to know who you're playing to in the room to be able to be effective and and it's almost that there's levels to musical knowledge that you 
you can achieve like once you get to that point i think it's definitely a talent to be able to take the melodies and to be able to take some of the like to break down a slipknot song and turn it into a piano song that's artistry yeah. and then even yeah. to to be able to put your own ideas into things and and create your own music that's that's the step i want to get to in my own life is being able to say what you want through music yeah. is is an amazing thing so um What's your experience been with that? Like, do you write all your own songs with your band as well? Well, so the the, the current band that I play with is actually, uh, so it's a video game cover band, this one. So what we do is we take um, we take themes from, like, just any generation of music. So whether it was, like, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, uh, Sega Genesis, uh, all the way up to, like, Halo. Like, just something that seems a little bit more current now. But it's pretty much, like, progressive rock versions of the songs but the the concept that we we want to do is th there's a lot of different bands that do this already but i find that they're very um niche in the sense that it, you know there's uh, a great band called power glove for example i don't know if you ever heard of them but they do like um uh power metal versions of the song so it's very directed to that genre right where what we do is yeah. we, we try to harness the original what the original composer did and then just make it as if that game came out today. So say it was a, you know, um, say it was uh, Zelda, for example, right? We take Zelda and we would make that original theme identical to the way that it was, but then just turn it into as if, say they made Zelda today and that was the theme song, what would that sound like if a band played it, right? So then it's just, it's it still harnesses what the original composer did properly, but then just moderns, like modernizes it basically. So the, yeah, the so concept, it's almost homage, right? To, yeah, exactly. And 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 the name is uh, the band name is Super Effects uh, Game Music Evolved. So just in the in the term itself, it's just that it's the original game music evolved. Yeah. So, yeah, what, so. where does the name Super Effects come from? So what Super Effects is is actually the uh, a graphics chip that was uh, um, the Super Nintendo to have Star Fox be 3D. So this is just when they started putting 3D into video games. There's this extra chip that you could buy for your Super Nintendo, and uh, and what it would do is it would make your your game 3D basically, and you needed that to be able to play Star Fox, and that chip is called Super FX. So it's kind of like exactly what it did is it visually evolves mm -hmm. 2D to 3D, and then we're called Super FX, which is now from an audio perspective evolving. The audio, right? I like so. all the connections. It seems really purposeful the way that even the band name to the music that you're 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 making that mm -hmm. you're creating, and then staying that artistry and and the original composers and their ideas. So it's it seems like it's all synthesized into a very well thought out group, which is an amazing thing. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. You've uh, Jason's actually um, he's filmed us actually. Yeah, when yeah. you played at uh, Park Theater. Yeah. How long ago? Was this two years ago now? At least two or three years ago two now. Two or yeah. three, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great time. You also recently played at Video Games Live at the Centennial Concert Hall, right? Yeah, so that was awesome. That was uh, um, the biggest crowd I've ever played for ever. It was almost about 2,000 people that we played in front of the, at the concert hall. Um, what it is, it's, uh, have you ever heard of Video Games Live? Do you know what that is? I've heard of it. I don't know a lot of the background on it. So uh, did you ever watch, um, I think it was called Video Games on the Run? Or video games on the uh, so this guy named Tal uh, Tommy Tallarico, which is uh, he's a composer that uh, um, actually wrote the soundtrack to Earthworm Jim, uh, that yeah. kind of series of video games. And uh, so anyway, so he has this traveling uh, uh, performance that he does, and it's kind of the same thing, but he gets whatever orchestra of that city to perform music with the orchestra. 
uh, and then he has video synced up on like the big screen and it uh, and it's unreal like it's the coolest show you could actually see live so actually uh, so he came in and, and I was actually able to to get on that show with super effects wow so we got to play halo which is uh, which is an, one of our favorites uh, to play but yeah it was awesome yeah it was one of the coolest experiences ever playing in front of that that many people pretty amazing that's crazy I can't I can't imagine I've played locally in front of 15 20 people and it's it's that rush right that you get it a, you can get it from a lot of different ways but music i find is the one thing where it feels like you're putting your emotions out there yeah. and also your talent and it, you feel very judged and very vulnerable but it's so amazing when you can put it all together piece it all together and actually connect with a crowd is is an amazing feeling um did you ever find that i guess starting so young did you ever have to deal with stage fright or any kind of anything that you were fearful of in doing uh, the only time I ever had any sort of stage fright was if I didn't know what I was doing. So, uh, and my brother and I in the past have, have played events where, you know, we kind of threw together, um, you know, a set list and we're, we're pretty good with that where we can just kind of show up and play whatever. Cause we by ear can essentially play whatever we want. Yeah. Like you just pick a song and if we know the melody, we can figure it out and kind of well, play largely, it. isn't that how you learned how to play guitar? Because I, if I correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. um, you had trouble reading sheet music for a while when you first yeah, started learning, it, it, right? Yeah, it wasn't really trouble reading. I just did, I was kind of lazy. So I just, <laughs> I just didn't want to do it because I could figure it out by ear. So but I yeah, I so kinda, you were still able to perform the full song by ear. Yeah, way, like yeah. I, yeah, exactly. So like I, I did uh, all of high school guitar and then the first uh, three years of, of university actually not being able to read music at all. And then just kind of just listening to the audio and seeing somebody else play it or watching YouTube videos and actually watching them play it and kind of figure it out that way. And then just kind of singing it back to myself in my head and then just figuring it out. So that's a lot of what I do is that way. Um, I, I do recommend to learn how to read music always. <laughs> so don't take that as a, this is how you should do it. You should definitely learn how to read music first and then, and then kind of learn it that way. But that's just how I approached it. That's how I came out of it. But um, sorry, I, I, was saying something. <laughs> it was it was something along the lines of of stage fright. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So so up. it was more so that if we didn't know what we were doing, that's where I was scared because it was like, okay, well, you know, how are we going to do this if we haven't tried this yet? Yeah. But if I know what's happening, then yeah, ne it never. Preparation is one of those things. I I find that across anything that I've ever done, where it's if you feel prepared you're always so much more confident in your ability to be successful. Yeah. So if you put in the time, you've planned, you've done your practice, you know exactly what you're going to do, you, your mindset is in the exact right place that you need to be in. Um, the other side of it, it seems that you tapped into, you're, especially coming from a musical family, that, that you had that natural ability and talent because you always had music around, so you learned how to, to, to take the essence of it and then be able to learn it and play it. And then it's that other side is once you're passionate about it and actually learning the work ethic towards it, which I'm sure came along at a, at a certain point. Was there ever that tipping point where you said, I need to start learning to read music to be able to progress in your craft? Yeah, so um, it, it more so happened when I when it was a little bit later into the university years where it was just getting to the point where the music was so difficult that like you had to really understand it and part of it was too is that I had started uh, actually um, teaching guitar at Quest Music and one of the main things was that they you know they want to be able to read music and it's like well if I don't know how to read it how can I teach you how to do it so I kind of forced myself to learn um, pretty basic but like enough to be able to you know educate somebody 
from a you know a very very um, easy starting point of understanding how like sheet music actually works and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so I forced myself uh, within those years there to so I can actually teach people. Yeah, because you know I'd have students like I wanted to learn how to read this, and I was like, well, okay, let's well, let's figure it out, right? So it's yeah, I went home that night the first time somebody asked me that, I'm like, hey, yeah, I need to know how to do this if I want to continue teaching. It was too funny. My my journey through music, I my grandfather played bands in bands his entire life, so he sang and played the trumpet, and that was always our influence. It was his favorite artist was Louis Armstrong, so there was just this effect of we always had music around in the family too, but it was it was amazing just. Uh, we all, all my siblings and I ended up playing piano and then kind of ventured out and tried our own things. And I always wanted to play the drums. Mm. I always thought they were the cool guys in the back that just got to smash on things. And yeah. I guess it makes sense that football kind of came from that too. <laughs> <laughs> just run into people and make noise. Um, but, uh, my parents forced me to play piano for three years before that they, they would ever buy a drum set because they didn't want loud smashing noises right. and, and no musical talent. And they wanted to know that I was actually committed to, to learning music as well. That's m maybe my musical background, but it's, I think music just has that effect. It seems to come from family a little bit too, where it's, you have those influences of all your, your parents, your grandparents, and then your musical taste somehow evolves a little bit out of that. Mm -hmm. So do you still see your, your family roots a little bit in your, in your current music taste and, yeah, so, um, and I was talking about this a little bit earlier, but that Italian, like, Neapolitan folk music, which is very, like, Spanish-oriented, because there's, there's a time in the, in the past where, uh, and this, I'm going to get a little bit uh, history buff on, on you guys on Perfect. this one, but, um, so basically, during the Ottoman kind of takeover of, of, uh, of say, Italy and, and, like, the Mediterranean and all that, um, they actually, they settled in the ports of Naples and because it was a, a trading kind of, uh, in and out kind of, you know, trading route for, for the Mediterranean, um, a lot of that area stayed very Spanish. So actually the dialect that my parents speak and say the Neapolitan dialect from Naples is actually very similar to Spanish, if not more similar to Spanish than other European languages are besides Spanish itself. Right. Yeah. So the music actually tied into that too. So what's really cool is that if you, uh, if you listen to a lot of even my personal stuff, like I have a, um, I have a soul album that I've released to, which is just all guitar music. Like it's literally just electric guitar. Um, there's a, one of the songs has a little like progressive rock kind of breakdown, but it has some mandolin and some acoustic and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the melodies that I use there directly come in from that kind of Italian Spanish kind of combination. So yeah, like I, I feel that almost everything that I write is in some way, shape or form influenced by that. Like you could hear it. And if, People that know me can listen to it and be like, hey, that's, that's where you got that from. Like, it's kind of, it sounds like it's Italian, right? In some way. So it's pretty cool. So you can trace it back to that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what's the name of the album? So the album is, uh, it's called Watermarks. Um, and it's uh, um, sort of a, not really a play on words, but uh, that name basically, uh, Watermarks are basically the residue of water right so then i kind of wanted to to name the album based off of that this is the residue of my influence sort of tied into it right so it's kind of cool uh cool concept that i came up with and not everybody actually knows that unless they've actually asked me why did you call it watermarks a lot of people yeah. are like why, why the hell would you call that watermarks like, i had what no idea mean? actually yeah yeah so it's uh a lot of that has to do with directly what are my influences and then here's a projection of my influences in my own thought process and then this is the result of it which is yeah Kind of residue of water 
Great. Um, where can people find that album, by the way? Uh, so that can be found uh, on Spotify, uh, uh, Google Music, um, Apple Music, and uh, on my website, which is uh, dariamontanino.com. Perfect. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like you have this this kind of, and I've I've known you for this since the day I've met you. I think. Well, we knew each other, and we didn't really know each other. We played basketball against each other in elementary <laughs> yeah, school. Yeah, you're, the, you're that super tall kid who <laughs> yeah. was way taller than everybody else for some reason in grade eight. And it wasn't until high school that, and even after high school, that we really got to know each yeah. other um, through a common contact. Uh, Mike Hastings, who is probably a large influence on both of us in terms of music. Um, who's an audio engineer out in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, but you've always had this kind of crazy in-depth, like everything has to have a meaning. I've known this from you for, in terms of video games. And I know one of your favorite video games, if not your favorite, is Half-Life 2. Yes. And I, rem- I remember you just coming over and, and would like hop on my computer and would just like literally scan like the sides and corners of maps and like look up where people weren't supposed to look like during yeah. cutscenes, and I would find these crazy details in the game or glitches and, and how things work. And then I feel like that translates into all facets of your life too. Like you always find, Hey, like, how does this work? You always like trying to figure out how something works and what's the meaning behind it. Why is this here? Why, why did they put this rock here? Why should it, and, and into your job probably as well into how you, how you manage, like, why should I sell this way? Right. Right. And uh, so you, you manage, I kind of want to transition to into uh, wireless, et cetera, which is a store you manage. Uh, how long have you been managing it now? So uh, official title manager of that store uh, since January of this year. Um, it will be technically two years of, of acting as manager, I guess, Yeah. at that point in time. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll say from, from a manager perspective, about two years, I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. And you've been working there for how long prior to that? Um, it was about three years. I had actually left um, to pursue a couple of other things uh, for a couple of years, and then I actually returned, um, working at the University of Manitoba actually for for a year, and then at Xerox. Um, I kind of yeah, I just kind of missed sales. I just missed yeah. kind of the the push push environment and kind of you know being able to achieve with with inputs specific inputs to get sort of certain outputs, uh, certain uh, results. Um, which I, I felt did not exist in those other two, two locations, but, For sure. um, but yeah, so yeah, so I'd say now, yeah, a good three years. So what, what exactly does wireless, et cetera, sell? So wireless, et cetera, is a, it's a multi-carrier. Um, so it's Rogers, uh, Bell, Virgin Mobile, Fido, and it's a third party company, um, called Glentel, which is actually owned by, um, Rogers and Bell. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that acquisition that was in the news a couple of years ago that, you know, Rogers and Bell had both purchased a third-party company. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's it's basically just whatever those providers <laughs> are selling now, but then Costco being inside of Costco, they bring their own value. So it just makes it the best possible value you could find with that one specific, say, unit that you buy. Yeah. Yeah. So typically, like, I guess cell phones would be your biggest selling like object there you must sell accessories yeah it's it's cell phones accessories and then uh then they have their own services uh, service warranty type thing that that supports that yeah um do you like working there yeah it's awesome yeah Yeah, i mean you came back right so yeah for me to come back yeah it was 100 percent. like there was that uh and 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 glentel being uh like an unreal company it's just that they they tied into costco is huge because it's all about value and it's not always about you know 
um, what's the best deal, what's the best upfront cost, or how much money can I get out of this transaction? It's always just looking at like, you've covered that member and that member has an expectation and it's feeding into that expectation. But the cool thing is you're, you're essentially a smart friend problem solver. So if you come there and say, talk to, to myself or one of the reps, uh, it's more so of, of a trust factor that you know you're going to get something that is very unbiased. Meaning that you come there and you're like, hey, you know what? Same as like, you know, your best friend that you bring to buy a car. Like, so, you know, everybody has that car guy that they know, or maybe you are that car guy, who knows. But um, where you go and you're like, hey, you know, like, say, for example, uh, our friend Ben, mutual friend Ben, that's the guy that I would go talk to if I had to go buy a car. So yeah. in that same way that I trust that guy, that's the kind of the concept that they want in Costco is that they want you to walk up and be like, hey, this guy I can trust. He's going to find what I need, not what fills his pockets type thing. So that's such, such a good mentality to have. And I feel that that's becoming more more important for companies to have that as a value, just to have that sustained relationship and customer to make sure that you care. You put their needs first, but it's not just something that you say. It's something mm -hmm. that you actually act upon and do as well. Do you have people that, so you, you manage, do you have people that work for you like that? Who, sorry. Do you have people that you manage? Yes, yeah, so there's five. Yeah. And how would, you, how would you explain your management style? Um, it, it's a lot of, of, I find coaching on the fly in the sense that it's, you know, and I think part of it is, is the hiring process too. So, I mean, one of the most important things I find for any company or, or for anybody in any shape or form, regardless of what they're doing is kind of, um, you know, finding people that are, that are alike to their ideals to then be able to actually output a specific thing. Right. So it's like, I manage based off of how I hire in the sense that I hire so that I can manage that type of person, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of coaching on the fly, a lot of, you know, here's a better way to do it, try it out, see if this works, and, and then kind of trial and error type thing. I really like trial and error because it's, I find that you, you do have to fail to be able to see where you went wrong so then you could fix what you did and, and not be afraid to kind of push boundaries to be able to get to that, you know, extreme failure to then kind of try again and say, hey, you know, this approach didn't work. Now this approach did. Okay, now I've learned from that from that mistake, right? So, It's so important to do that with anything, to be willing to fail at something to then increase your skill and get better at it. Would you say you're more relationship-oriented or task-oriented as a manager? I would say more relationship because um, it, it's it's more so I, I, I want to make sure people care, and that's the main thing is that it's if you care about something, you're going to do a better job you know, either explaining it or you're going to put in more effort because there's an actual result for yourself, some sort of advantage for you. Or if you don't care, it's, it's literally like there's no, you know, like there's no point. Like, why am I doing this, right? And a lot of yeah. people I find do get jobs and they kind of sit there and, they're, and it, they are performance-based and maybe they should actually just be a cash register. You know what I mean? It's that type of person that should literally just do transaction after transaction as this is what I want. Okay, here you go. Right yeah. versus uh, versus actually trying to discover what the person needs and, and kind of figuring out what and it's cool because it's it's every interaction is a problem and not from a negative perspective but it's if somebody needs something that means that they don't have something to do what they need therefore they yeah. do have a problem right yeah. and, and you're figuring that out and giving them something to be able to solve that problem right yeah solving towards their needs is a very important yeah. thing yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a kind of uh, a job that's not tailored for everyone, a very specific kind of person mm -hmm. in terms of especially sales. And 
I feel like there's always a negative connotation. We had this talked about this in our last podcast too, when we had Addison on, who's a realtor. Mm-hmm. Is the negative uh, connotation that that kind of surrounds most sales jobs, and even as a personal trainer, when it, when anything comes to a, a large sum of money, people are like, "Oh, you just want that money. That's all right. you want around it." Yeah. Around it. So it kind of it's like, how can I like how can I show this customer that I actually <laughs> care about their needs yeah. and want to give them the best kind of result or best product in terms of their needs. Well, yeah. And like for personal training in your perspective, it's cool. Cause it's, you kind of have to show them that, you know, here's your end goal. What I'm showing you is the, like, that is the value. The value is what your end goal is. Right. And, and no sum of money can equal, you know, that end result without them understanding that there is some sort of, you know, yeah. value out of that, out of that input. Right. So how do you do that with cell phones then so much? Because I, personal training is one way I'm dealing with someone's themselves right i'm dealing with them yeah cell phones you're dealing with with an actual piece of technology and people always want or most people i wouldn't say all people most people want the best version of that new phone whether it's an iphone or the next samsung phone right and not all of them want to pay that especially when they come out they're not always cheap right they're a new iphone can be upwards of probably 600 700 dollars on a contract right yeah yeah so and and we don't even have to do dig too far into specifically cell phones, but I think just in life in general, like, I mean, it's, 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 it's value based off of your need. So like, I mean, if we do look at cell phones specifically, you could say, you know, not everybody actually does need the newest thing, but they think they need the newest thing where we gear ourselves towards kind of finding what you need based off of the actions that you need them for. So if it's, you know, you really like taking pictures and that's what you value, you may not need the newest device to be able to have something like that. Like let's say something that an LG can do, where you can go and you can customize the way that you control, you know, the lens or how much light is coming in and that kind of stuff where that may not happen on another device. Mm-hmm. Now that really expensive $700 phone is useless to you because you don't use it in that way. Right. So it's, a, and I find a lot of times now is, you know, cause kids have iPhone tens and it's all they do is play Angry Birds on it or they play <laughs> you know, they something super basic on it, but they have like this super computer in their hand that there's people that run businesses, multi-million dollar businesses off of those devices, but then there's kids playing with them. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like now this, this value concept is almost like it's, it's almost invisible because it's, nobody knows what value is anymore when it comes well, to cell phones. Well, of course, well, like cell phones are crazy. If you think about it, this com- tiny computer that can perform all these functions in your pocket. Yeah, size it's less than this, They're smaller <laughs> than the size of your hand. You give that to someone 15 years ago, and it would blow them mind. Yeah, right. And think now it's just an expectation, especially in first world countries like Canada and the U.S. and Europe. Yeah, um, it it baffles me to have someone who can complain about the price, like a $300 price tag on a brand new phone. Yeah. Whereas compare it to 10 years ago, and that brand new computer cost you upwards of $2,000, and this does. 10 times more than that has 10 times more features has gps and infrared fingerprint scanners like it, it blows my mind even your computer didn't even have a camera back then right right yeah and it has all this now and plus more and, and more computing power than your pc did yeah. 10 years ago yeah and 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 to kind of just finish what your question was is that it's it's now how like it's it's physical situations where you find value now because if you just look at a price tag and you look at a product from a marketing standpoint it's you'll see in commercials it's it's very lifestyle based and that's a lot of times that's what sales is they're selling to a specific lifestyle even with clothing and and you know fitness brands and that kind of stuff it's now it's not even about like 
say, you know, fitness is all about working out and, and healthy lifestyle and that. But it's like a lot of times now you see the marketing kind of geared towards like California and like you're on the beach and you're wearing that cutoff. And now it's just like, you're not buying the product, but you're buying that yeah, kind yeah, of the idea, the idea behind, behind it. it yeah. Right. And that's the value. Yeah. Right. I would say cars do the exact yeah. same thing where it's, and it's funny because I even find cars, they try and design them to have personalities yeah. and even with the lights and everything. And, and so you can get a feel for what it is intrinsically that they're trying to show. Um, I was going to, oh, right. So I was going to ask what you expect is going to happen in the future of cell phones and technology. So what's the next step with phones? Do you think they'll be, I, I have a crazy idea, but I want to know your <laughs> Your thoughts. Okay. Well, so, I mean, right now, like phones really aren't like what, what's happening. We're getting in. There was the second camera. Now there's the third camera on so many <laughs> phones as well. Yeah. Like it's like the razor blade situation. We had like how many razor blades can you get away with before it's too much, right? Yeah. Um. So, and and yeah, I'll, I'll love to hear your like like what you have going. And and it may be this. Yeah. You, you may be exactly right, but I I think the handheld held cell phone is not going to disappear. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I, I don't think it will, and I'll tell you why. Because I think that a lot of focus is going to be on peripherals tied into that, and it'll be an ecosystem of multiple items. So I think it's anywhere. I think the next big thing is just putting SIM cards into items. So like, yeah, like whether it's shoes or like a T-shirt or, or glasses yeah. or like just clothing. Which is starting to happen already, like glasses. Yeah, the, the glasses, watch. Watches is watches, the big thing right, right now. And yeah. the next thing is like, you know, even because fitness is, I, I find, becoming more and more popular. So, you know, you, know, you have your your, your wristband, your Fitbit and all that stuff, but more so like counting your steps and that. But ha if you put in a pair of shoes, like GPS location, you're running, you can see exactly, you know, how much force is going through every step. Like there's so much more that you can do with something on your feet. Um, but I don't think, I don't think handhelds will disappear because there's so many concepts of like, they'll have a little, you know, wristband that'll like project a keyboard on your arm. And like, it's just like standing there holding your arm like this, well, it's I would it's say like around that. Yeah, it's like saying that if cell phones disappeared, computers should have disappeared by now, and they haven't. <clears throat> and they right? Haven't. Yeah. There's something to be said about the 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 workspace on a computer, although it's 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 definitely evolved. It's condensed. Yeah. But it's still stationary. It's very stationary unless yeah. you're on a cell phone. But yeah, I, I, I want to hear what Riley said. <laughs> He's actually going to say something here. I, yeah, I like that idea that you said of of incorporating technology in day-to-day -day items it seems like that is go happening and yeah. going to happen yeah. it's even in music where you can go from one room to the other and it'll follow you that's crazy. through if you have the, yeah. the different docking stands and and so and even there's smart houses now where you can you could you'll probably be able to say hey alexa turn on the tv the lights and everything will just be yeah i shouldn't talk too <laughs> loud we might we might actually do something in here <laughs> but i actually my where i think I differ is I, I believe we'll go completely away from handheld cell phones in either one or two ways or maybe one and then the other. But I think ingrained technology into people might be, yeah. you know, uh, enhancing ourselves with technology. And that way you could bring up maybe it's I almost think of Dragon Ball Z when they had the little <laughs> over the eye thing, but yeah, you could scanners, pull up the Internet. The scouter, and you could the see scouters, yeah. Yeah. But you could bring up with virtual reality, I think, encompassing that, and you'd have online marketplaces where you could see 3D renderings of what your clothing would look like, and it would have it would know exactly how large you are. Yeah. So you would never have to go to a store, but you could try on different looks, clothes, etc. What I do think might happen, 
is now with drone technology, what uh, what a lot of modern day inventions really are just synthesizing different things. You say the camera and the phone is, we used to have cameras, we had phones, and then all of a sudden they went, let's put these together. Right. And so with drones, I think that that might be the next step is drone technology with phones. Drone phones? Drone phones. Drone this phones. is, I want to trademark that. I want to trademark this write one. Write this one down. Yeah. It is written down. But I, I don't know if I have the technological capabilities to build it, but I think Apple does. They're probably working on it. They, I bet they can hear us from the, the MacBook right now. There you go. But uh, I think it will be the holographic screens where you can type and you can, and you can even bring up maybe a projection of the other person if it's floating. You could literally take a, a 3D scan of somebody, yeah. and then you'd be able to send calls that way. It would almost be, you, you remember in Star Wars where Princess, Leia. is it Princess Leia or Prim Princess Amidala that comes up on the thing and she has a, a message through R2? I, I think it'll be similar to that, though, where you're coming up in a Where it's 3D. like a drone type thing, and it just kind of projects some sort of thing. So, yeah, so, yeah. so, so advanced projection technology, but then airborne. Airborne, Basically, yeah. and I think it would follow you around, and then you'd be able to. So it would be displaying the information you want in front of you, rather than you having to look down at your phone, essentially. Yeah, it, yeah. it would. It would. I think it would project from right behind you. It would almost tail you around like a Pikachu. Um, like a, I was trying to think of what's something that game, better, but uh, Destiny, and has that little spark thingy that follows you around. And it does that, right? There are some video games that have had this, yeah. so that's probably where I'm synthesizing yeah. this all from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's. It's kind of cool to wonder what's what the next steps are and and virtual reality and technology and phones it's it's it seems that things are escalating in such a quick rate but at the same time while we look at how far the internet's come and and how far technology's come in about 20 25 years mm -hmm. and it seems slow but at the same time the pace of things when you look at through history back into cave dwelling ages and nomadic tribes it's it's like the the amount of progression we've had on the grand scale is absolutely insane. Oh, in the past hundred years, past fifty years, past ten years, even look at just the escalation of things. Touch you, the evolution of touch screens. Like, yeah. who thought that would be possible twenty years ago? Yeah, it's, it's certain items though. Like, I, I find that, and, and not everything is is evolving super fast, but it's just certain things. Like, it's just certain specific things which are I find uh, like like big life changers. Right, like it's something that, and a lot of times it's there's been so much technology, there's literally just gimmick, right? Like it's like, oh, here's a gimmick, and then it works, and then who cares, right? Yeah. And you know, like they did it with, the, um, I think it was LG did it with the, I think it was an Optimus 3D, where the screen itself was a 3D screen, and you didn't need 3D glasses for it to work. Yeah. And it was a gimmick, but then people were like, passing out from it and, and getting dizzy, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, well, this isn't actually advancing us in any way or helping us do anything. So I yeah. think the big thing is, is if it actually it's helps a... you do something better. Yeah, so actually I've been reading a book lately called um, Start With Why, mm. um, which kind of differentiates between uh, novelties and innovations. Right. So things yeah. like uh, what Apple does in bringing like, the computer into everyone's home considered an innovation, right? Because it allows people to do work from home rather right. than having to go to the office and have to deal with this massive machine, right? Yeah. Whereas uh, things like what you're just talking about, a 3D screen, Novelty, right? It's yeah. something that's eventually going to wear off. It's cool to have these features, just like the the glass cases on phones now, and how that's a trend. Like that's a novelty, right? Yeah. It's it's not a necess necessity or nor is it an innovation that's right. going to help you in any way. It's cool and it's nice to look at, but at the end of the day, it's not really doing anything. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and 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 I was going to ask you, Riley, real quick, just 
before you you, you fly in another direction. But I, I, <laughs> I do like to fly around. <laughs> but with that airborne concept of, yeah. of of that, what time frame do you feel that that's like? What would be your most accurate assumption of of, of what that would how long that would take? Do you think for us technologically to get to that point, or or for it to be like let's say to, that technology existed bus. today, like say that like is a real thing today? Yeah. Um, how in how many years do you think that would actually be like successfully incorporated into into human life? So, are you saying the drone phone? How yeah. how long it would take yeah. to catch on, or yeah. just more so? I think it would be a pretty quick transition because I honestly think we're about ten years away from actually having that type of capability. We have right. drones, we have phones, we have projection. We can you can likely use those screens with your finger. Like you you would be able to use that. So it's probably 10 to 15 years away, but then there's always the the zone that it takes to to have something catch on. And obviously, if you have huge phone companies, if you have the Apples of the world or Samsungs or whoever it's going to be in 10 to 15 years, because right. you never know how yeah, things are going to evolve that way. But somebody comes along, you have the introductory phase, but as long as people like it and the technology is accessible... I would say that's the biggest thing that Apple's done is just make it accessible to the everyday person. Yeah. Whereas Microsoft Word or Microsoft in general was just very much the business oriented company. Yeah. And that's why they were successful because obviously businesses needed the technology and it was a great way to store information. Right. But then it's there's been this evolution to now who's the everyday one and that seems to be Apple. So you just have to have the technology capabilities to do it. And then it'll just be a matter of you have to win over the public. Whereas it seems similar to, we're going to see it, I believe, in the next five to 10 years as well, where we're all going to go towards Teslas and electric and self-driving cars and things. So it's, but there's that, there's that zone that people have to, they have to get over the old ways, which is really tough. You see that in uh, social issues. You see that in, it's, it's tough to get past the former way of thinking because you have a lot of people that are uh, against change or just fearful of change in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, society in general is all going towards electric. So invest in lithium. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's going to be the new oil probably. Um, However, there still is the the massive issue with, uh, so drone phones, for example, the same with electric cars is batteries, right? Batteries are the hugest Probably, and there are companies working around the clock to find, figure out ways in order to create longer lasting batteries, both and both like duration and long lasting so that they don't break down over time. Solar Um, power might be huge in that. Yeah. And then, well, cooling plays a huge role into it. So like one of some of Tesla's cars can go pretty far now, but that's thanks to their cooling technology that keeps the batteries cool. That's right. Um, so things like that. So in order to have this kind of drone following you around, projecting all these things in front of you, kind of have have, have to have batteries that can last more than yeah. 10 hours like we do on and, phones right now. And I find that that's usually the limiting factors is something like a battery or a cooling so that yeah. from, uh, even from a, you know, like a computer perspective. Probably, thermal dynamics making... has been the downfall of technology yeah. since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> always. And that's always the issue. And, and, and it's crazy how something like that, like if they would have figured that out, earlier on how much more advanced things would be based off of something so basic like oh the battery right and it's like now and they've gotten such a long way of be able to do lithium ion and make it so small because like think of how small cell phones and how thin they're getting and that has a battery that'll last 
like a couple days, yeah, which is insane. And they keep making them smaller and bigger and smaller and bigger. And it's just like, you yeah. know, they they need a whole new technology at this point to to be able to to support what they really want to do, right? And that's it's crazy looking back and thinking at the first computers and the wires were literally like huge wires that were connected yeah. to things, and now we just have all this technology in this little. And and with Bluetooth and things, you don't even have to have wires to your headphones. It just it's yeah. it's a crazy evolution. Well, yeah, especially with the huge wires. Like when they laid the hundreds or tens of thousands of cables across the Atlantic Ocean, they didn't realize that they didn't need to do that. Um, <laughs> the thickness no, and, and it was just the physics at the time was wrong, right? We didn't an Ethernet cable um, which projects light through it doesn't need to be thick. Like they used it to, in order to bounce light from one place to another. That's how we get our internet, right? Um, and it, it can be as thin as we want it to be, really, as long as it can pass through a light. There is a minimum requirement for it, or in terms of thickness. And don't quote me on the physics behind it because I don't understand it. And even the slightest, I just know. Uh, I can't remember what documentary it was, but I watched a documentary where they said, like, yeah, we didn't need to spend all this money laying all these cables across when mm. we could have just laid a few hundred crazy <laughs> it was one of the cool things I, I wanted to point it out because jace was talking about starting with why and a little bit on the back towards the music side of things it really seems that that's something that it you it encompasses you at your core is is the music seems to come from your why as opposed to a lot of people will do things just to like raise status whatever it is there's a lot of people that just do things on the fringes it's like well, I'm going to work out because so-and-so is doing it. it right. And it seems to stem really internally from you. So it was kind of cool. I made that connection while Jace was talking about starting with why. And you you seem to have that mindset on a lot, if not everything that you do, is is it really has to come from your purpose, your cause, whatever your goals are. It kind of stems from within you, which I thought was a really cool perspective and a real cool place to come from. Yeah, like it's it's and it's one of those things that I would don't even think about because it's just so natural. Like when Jay started talking about like you know that me the way that even I play a video game is that that I have to like look at every single thing and see every texture and see every like piece of geometry and see why it was put there and and does it look real and is that what it would have looked like in real life and that kind of and just kind of judging it from a from an accuracy perspective, I guess um, is interesting because it's I I don't think about that unless somebody you know brings that up and it's kind of mm -hmm. cool. How everybody has their own perspective of things and. Until you actually talk to somebody that kind of says that to you, you have no idea, right? But it's, yeah, it's very interesting to talk about it here because it's like now I'm seeing all these parallels that are like, oh, yeah, wait a second. This is exactly how I look at things, right? But it, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting you bring that up. That's awesome. Cool to discover about yourself. Who who knew we could let people discover about themselves on this podcast <laughs> too? But that's awesome. So I wanted to tailor this a little bit towards your mindset on work-life relationship, spirituality, and health. So okay. what... Are there common ties between them, and how do you how do you value things in your life along those lines? It's a very difficult question. <laughs> it's a very well, yeah. It's a very broad, but also very uh, specific question at the same time. Yes, um, I, I think kind of that that maybe in a different way. What's your life theory? Just in terms of where do you stem from, and what do you what does it take for you to have a, a fulfilled life? is how I would put it. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, and, and it's one of those things that is very relative to, to the individual, I guess. But, like, I mean, everybody is always chasing after happiness, of course, and that's kind of the, the, the main concept. Everyone wants to be happy, right? But everybody knows that, you know, everybody's playing the same game, which is this, uh, 
you know, we need money to be able to, to do any, what we really want to do. Right. So, um, my, my whole mindset has always been that everybody's playing the same game. Um, in the end, everybody wants to be happy and wants to be able to do the things that they do. And we all have to, you know, kind of grind through life to be able to, to have what we really want. Um, but having a balance of, you know, setting an expectation for yourself. And I think the expectation is the, is the main, um, the main positive. So the, how do I phrase this? Pretty, pretty much it, it's, it's the, the rise and fall is expectation. Because once you have an unrealistic expectation, it almost makes it impossible for you to be able to succeed and, and achieve something. Where if you have an incredibly realistic one, it encompasses exactly what you need to do to be able to to actually reach out and grab what you want, right? And that's kind of the, uh, yeah. and, and it ties into everything. It ties into like fitness, ties into music, ties into like just personal relationships with a girlfriend, right? Like it's just when you set, uh, when you have an unrealistic realistic expectation, you essentially are shooting yourself in the foot from being able to succeed and do what you want to do. Sure. It's like, say, someone who's 400 pounds, extremely obese, and they see um, a bodybuilder who goes up on stage and, um, and you, you they, the they want to be, I want to be there yeah. right now, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, that seems to speak a lot to our societal values is we all want these results and we want them right now. Yeah. So that that speaks to... Drug use that speaks to uh, using Adderall that speaks to even caffeine that speaks to it's all sorts of things that just tie into it where everybody's looking for the fast way out. I saw it even through sport where it's guys willing to do steroids. It's 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 sad in a way because what I value in life, I would say, is less now. There is definitely points in my life where it's happiness is the ultimate goal. Yeah. But if you're happy all the time, you're not experiencing life, right? right. You're, you're going to experience loss and there's no way you can be happy through that. Of course. So it's being fulfilled through that and being able to equip yourself to better deal with the ups and downs and just knowing where you are. Yeah. So I like tying in that realistic and unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. to that as well. I'm trying to think exactly where I was going with this point, but it's such a, it's so rewarding when you actually get to those places of, I like those small moments of achievement are, are always the biggest thing, whether it's, I think for you, it's coming out with an album must be so amazing to just have something that you created and have it out so that people can listen to it. And it's that moment of, I put in the work, I put in the time, the preparation, I had to get everything together. And now people can actually enjoy something that, that I've created and they can't take that away from you. And I think those are the, those are the pinnacle moments that, when you, when you, maybe on your deathbed, when you look back, those are the things that are going to come out and just be like, those were the moments that were worth working for and worth yeah. getting towards. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, 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 um, and kind of what we were talking about earlier is, is you're going to have those ups and downs and, 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 and being positive. And I think that's a big thing is just understanding that every single thing that happens to you, there is a positive outlook. Even if it's a loss or something like that, there's, there's something that you could still find that you could say, you know what, okay, well, this happened, but here's the other things that are positive in life. Therefore, yeah. I can still now focus on these things or there's this goal that I haven't achieved yet or whatever. So it's always kind of like just moving forward. Yeah. Um, like Jocko says. That's exactly yeah, who I was thinking, thinking about too. <laughs> when something bad happens, there's always going to be some good that comes out of it. Yeah, no, no matter what. And, and I find that you could literally, and I mean, obviously you could be so specific and be like, hey, there's no way that there's a positive out of the most extreme possible thing you can think of, but just in realistic you know, life 
standpoint, it's yeah, there, there always is. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, and, and I like what you said about that. You can't always kind of chase happiness, but one really big thing that I like is, is that, uh, kind of the mentality of, you know, what do you chase in life? And is it, is it, um, is it money or is it success? And that's kind of a question that I always like, and, and which one is better? I think people right? get confused between the two. And lot. I think they yeah. get confused. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't attribute success and money together. And it's funny because I see a lot of influences. I see people in my direct family circle and, and a lot of people have differing opinions and, and it's tough to, it's tough to separate the two in, in a certain sense. You have to be able to put a roof over your head, have food in your belly. Like it, those seem to be the intrinsic important things that you have to take care of before sure. you worry about financial security, financial mm. security, safety, and be able to take care of your immediate health, right? So it's it's like you have to be able to provide for that. And I'm very aware of that. But at the same time, success to me, I want to have the biggest impact on the most amount of people in a positive way. Right. It has is my intrinsic goal. That's what I want to accomplish. And yet I liked what you said about being realistic because I feel I try and border on the unrealistic to realistic. It's tough to be... Because you don't want to aim too low, right. get there, and then say this was too easy, and then you lose a little bit of steam. But if you're too unrealistic, it's you're never going to get there, right. and it's and it becomes daunting, and you lose a little bit of that faith. So yeah, yeah, it's, yes it's, and no. I mean, it depends. I mean, I think that falls largely on character then, and whether or not you're able to get back up and and figure out what works for you. Um, I like the saying that you don't know what your limits are until you push your risk going too far. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think there's truth in that. Obviously you, you can test your limits and be like, Hey, I can't do this and then dial it back a bit. I'm like, Kim, what can I do? Right. Right. I think it's always important to self analyze and look back on. Um, it's not always about, and this comes back into the insanity thing, doing the same way in the same, uh, same thing in the same way every time is going to, I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. can't. Insanity. I'm, yeah. I'm quoting too much today. Um, <laughs> insanity. I'm insane. Um, no, but yeah. Expecting a different result with it, the same inputs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the definition of insanity, yeah. right? But it's just being able to go back and look at what you've done, not wrong, but done. You that something you can do better. Yeah. Can make you a better person. And right. be like, hey, maybe my expectations are too high. Yeah. Dial it back a bit. Let's reach something. It's not saying that maybe that. First expectation is impossible to reach, but maybe I have to hit here before I get hit up here, right? True, and and, and I think without like like micromanaging your goals in that sense, I think if you want, because I mean, somebody will you know come to a place like this or have a conversation, read a book, watch a video, like you know, how can I be more motivated and, and do all that kind of stuff? But it's in the end, if you wanted the easiest way to 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 have that mentality is just be better than you were before and yeah. as long as you're always just like shooting up and you know you hit your roadblocks but as long as the concept is that you want to be better than you just were regardless of if you've micromanaged your expectations or not you're is, always climbing is that right? not is it is that not the simplest concept though to and to me it baffles that my mind that people don't get that yeah a lot of people don't get that and it when people hit a wall or they hit that thing that knocks them down that's it yeah they're done right Time for plan B or time? The thing that I have trouble 
looking at right now or just struggling with seeing around me is there are a lot of people that it's nine to five, Monday to Friday, they work, then Friday hits, you drink, Friday Weekend warriors. Night, yeah. and, <laughs> right? and And it just seems that, and that's, I've been in that place. So it's tough to be able to say that I've lived that, I've seen that. I even felt that I had that kind of weekend celebrating the Jets victory and then <laughs> wanting to spend time with friends yesterday. And it it almost irks me because I wanted to be more productive. There's things I wanted to accomplish, but you also have to take those times with friends and family to enjoy it too. So it's it's all that balancing act, but it's I I got to this point in my own life where it was that's not enough. There has to be some way that I'm progressing and something that I'm aiming for and and finding that sense of purpose. I would say is the most important thing and the most important journey for people. And I was willing to ask myself those difficult questions of what did what did I value? What was I interested in? What did I what did I want to pursue that I maybe didn't have time for or didn't have the the drive to do? And that's mm-hmm. led me on this let's try a bunch of different things journey. Mm-hmm. But it's and even in a way, it seemed that that entertaining was or entertainer or en- entertaining came up a lot in my thought process because it was something that I w- was always passionate about but never really pursued. It was always sports were the thing that drove me and, and made me want to be better. And so that took a back seat. I was never able to explore that. But it's, it's fun to then come full circle and say, it's not too late. This is something that I can explore now. I have the time for it and the, and the passion for it and can sink completely into it. So it's cool to be on that process. And I think it shows that anybody can evolve at any time which I think is an important idea to get out to people too. It's, it's, you can escape that, that monotony of finding another job just to live nine to five. And right. you can be passionate about waking up in the morning, doing what you're doing and get to the weekend and want to do it more. You're, you're going to want to progress. And, and that's where I'd say I am now, but it seems that all of us we're here in this room, having this conversation, mm. it seems that we're passionate about helping people or, or, learning about life experience. Yeah, I, I heard it somewhere and I can't remember where, but ever years ago when I first started losing weight and trying to find like what I wanted to do in life. And one of the things I heard that kind of spoke to me was, was uh, stop treating the weekend like a weekend. Stop, like your, your weekend is just another two days, right? Like every day should be another day that you're always working towards a better you, right? There should yeah. be no rest from that. There should be no... Um, like taking a break on like who you are, like you're not just going to go and stop doing what you're doing, keep doing it. And it's a large, I, I started incorporating into my personal training as well. I'm like, well, why shouldn't I work on Saturdays too? I, so I started treating Saturday as another day. I still take Sundays off as, as kind of a personal day, but we, we do the podcast on Saturday or Sunday anyways, which to me is, oh, I, I'm slowly learning that, hey, I can be productive seven days a week and still have time for myself as just making that time throughout the day rather than just clumping those days together. And, and I think there, you can go both ways on it. Like it's not saying that working Monday to Friday is a bad thing and having your weekends off is a bad thing. It's just saying that you can be productive with your time at any time. You don't have to wait. You have, you don't have to do it within these set rules that, that yeah. has kind of almost been set by society. It, it was a video I recently watched, but it was, it was a guy talking about being successful, but he, he got into, he was talking about billionaires and he said, you want to know what billionaires do different? 
they use the 24 hours in their day better than everybody else around well, them. They're up they're, earlier. They're, they're up earlier. Mo- most billionaires are up at 4 or 4.30 a.m. And they work and they put in crazy amounts of hours often, as you'd imagine. But but then that's, they're using their day more efficiently. They're mm-hmm. They're getting more things done. They're not on social media for four hours a day. They're not watching TV for six hours a day. They're not. So if you want to be more successful, use the 24 hours in your day more productively yeah. and, and, and have that aim, whatever it is. And you're going to feel more successful. You're going to be happier. And you're going to feel more in charge of your life. Here's a cool little perspective that I want to give you. And, and to play a little bit of the advocate on, on, advocate. Advocate on, on what you just said, but I, I look at it more as that it's it's so relative in the sense that, um, you know, when you say that to, to be more successful, you need to use your time more wisely. But then that's what I was saying is it, is it, is it money or success? And success is relative in the sense that, you know, Jay's saying that he now works on Saturdays. I can almost say like, well, wouldn't relaxing also be successful in sure. the sense that I mean, there could be productive. Yeah, like t- like taking the time and and you're productive in the sense that you've given yourself the proper amount of rest to then be able to do more the next day and that type of thing and I, and I find that even in in the business that I'm in uh, a lot of times what I, what I tell uh, my my reps is that you know if you're if you're grinding for a dollar if you grind for success the dollar comes with it yeah right you're not trying to make X amount of money because now you've limited yourself to well how much is enough right and it's you know if, if six thousand dollars a month is enough is now you've limited yourself. If you could make more, if you're chasing the dollar, you will always get to a certain amount where you will be content with that amount, but you've not grown. And where if you're actually striving for success, the more successful you become, the money just comes with that. Or training, it yeah. just, you know, the body comes from that, right? Yeah. And it's, it's those inputs and it's, you're, you're, you're shooting for the success, not so much the result because you'll get the result regardless. Yeah. And then you can look back and say, okay, now I was successful, right? So that's kind of, Kind of, yeah. you guys are talking about that. So many different light bulbs shot in my head, and all these examples. I'm like, oh man, no, I, no. You, you make a good point. I didn't, uh, so maybe to clarify too what I meant by like on the weekend, you can be productive. It, it doesn't mean you can't relax because relaxing, obviously, yeah. you can't work out seven days a week, even though I do right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you can't work out 24 7 every single day right. to get the body you want. Obviously, that's gonna be detrimental to your health at some point, right? Yeah, um, however, I mean, just the, the kind of typical concept that the social construct of what the weekend is right now. Yeah. People go out Friday nights, they party, and then Saturday and Sunday are usually write off days, right? Where they yeah. either are watching TV or doing nothing because they're want A hungover or B are just like are so burnt out from yeah. their job during the week. Stress from the week and right. now it's relaxed time and So and then what where does it come from? Where can you find that enjoyment in your job where you don't need to feel that way on the weekend, right? Yeah. And and and, and again it's it's I, I always tie in that success concept. Like it's like if if all you do is is you know make somebody happy in your job like say like you're all you do is customer service and somebody walks up and they have an issue and you figure out their issue and you've solved that issue that to me is success like yeah. you've successfully done that and i find that people should just find uh that little bit of joy in those small things to look at what success really is right and and if it's all you do is sit behind a desk and somebody comes up and say, hey, my computer doesn't work, can you fix it? A lot of times people are like, oh, I'd never do customer service because it's, you know, everybody's pissed off and they come up to you and they're, you know, they're mad and they want you yeah, to but, fix it. But like, if you solve their issue, yeah. you've successfully changed somebody's life in a positive way, that in itself should be motivation. Like that is like, that should be the motivation to what you do. 100%. Right? 
And there's often gratitude in that too, where people are happy to have their problem solved. And yeah. then and then you get that enjoyment from, well, okay, I've made this person's day that much better. Or and it only works in your favor too, especially when you're working in something like sales, because now you have their recommendation or they're always going to come back to you now, right? Exactly. Their loyalty. Yeah. yeah. And that's huge, especially in business. Lo- loyalty means everything. Look at Apple. That's why they're successful is because everyone's loyal to that brand. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's not that their phones are necessarily better than the other phones are on the market. It's because, and, and their phones are more expensive too. Yeah. People are loyal to that brand. Yeah. It's a total experience with, with the whole company, with the, with the customer service side of it, with yeah. the function, everything. Like it's just, it's the whole total experience. Well, yeah. Apple's customer service. Yeah. Is, is through the roof. Yeah. Right. Like they, Amazing. they put a lot of money and effort into customer service to make sure that they keep the customers they have. Yeah. What other company does that? Right. Not, not too many. many. Not, not too, too many. many. There are some, but not too many, yeah. I wanted to get into the health, fitness, and weight loss journey. <laughs> there you go. I didn't know. That <laughs> there it is. There's no other way to this segue. I was going to transition right to it, but then we got into back into business, yeah. and I was like, okay. Cut, let's... cut right into it. <laughs> so, cut scene. <laughs> health, fitness, weight loss. So, just your story through health and fitness, and I know you have a weight loss story to tell Yeah. Us. So, I, I was always uh, in high school a little bit, uh, little bit of a bigger dude. Um, coming from uh, from Italian family, of course, uh, it's a lot of carbohydrates and and Mediterranean and, and diet. Mediterranean. Well, I've, the I'd say the Americanized American diet because really the Mediterranean Pastas diet is is vegetables. It's veggies, yeah. It's veggies and and fish and oils, yeah. Fish and oils and and, and healthy fats and all that yeah. kind of stuff too. But uh, but anyways, yeah. So I mean, like like the majority of our uh, of I mean our North American diet, it's it's. You know, a lot of it is carbs, a lot of it is uncalculated fats, and what is protein? What does that even mean? <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I got up to, I think it was just after grade 12, and this is where Jace remembers me probably best, because this is where we kind of started hanging out. We're both big, yeah. bigger guys, and uh, that's, that's not what made us connect. But it was, uh, <laughs> hey, you're big. Let's hang hey, out. Hey, man, yeah, you're, you're about my size. <laughs> hey, yeah, okay, I'll talk to you. Um, no, uh, I got up to about 265 pounds, oh. which is, uh, on my frame, I'm 5'8". Uh, I, I hit it nicely cause I just wore bigger clothing, but, um, but yeah, so then kind of something clicked and it was, you know, it was when I get to a certain age, it's going to be very difficult to lose. Um, I think from, from any, any guy or, or any girl uh, to that perspective, um, you don't feel attractive at that point in time, right? In the sense that, you know, if you're pursuing girls you go to the bar with your friends or go to the gym and that kind of stuff and you go there and you're like, Hey, you know what? Uh, personality can, can take you a really long way, of course, but it's just that initial, like, I mean, we're, we're a species where it's, it's a visual species, right? And it's, you look at something, you're like, Hey, that's, that's what I want. Or I'm attracted to that. And that's kind of the concept for me too, is it was a health side of it, but it was also like society, right? And it's, you know, you want to be able to, 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 um, you know, you want to be an attractive guy. Like that's just, you know, generally how, and even that confidence in yourself and the confidence. Yeah. That's been, I, I would say I'm a, a fluctuator. And so it, in the same way, it's when I don't meet that ideal or that it's in my own eyes often too, where I know I want to be better than I am. Right. And then if you fall out of that for whatever reason, because sometimes life throws you curveballs and you fall out of that momentum, but then getting back to it, it's always nice when you get to that point where in the mirror, you look how you want to look. Right. And obviously societal norms and, and influences of the people around you and, and even the opposite sex or whoever you're interested in. Um, but having that attention from them, even if it is just that initial attention yeah. is so important, just 
for your self-confidence and for how you right. feel. So yeah. I definitely understand that that process. At my heaviest, I was 220, 225, but going through injuries and things and trying to come back and, and playing football, it was always, where do I want to be and am I there? And so it's right. it's a constant journey. Yeah, and and so something kind of just clicked at a certain point where it was like, okay, well, something needs to change. Um, and, and I look back and obviously in a positive light that I did it, but I wish I would have done it from a more knowledgeable perspective in the sense that I did not understand macronutrients. I didn't understand I think, dieting. Yeah, we come from the same background in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like, you know, like, again, like what is, pro- like, what is protein? What are carbs? I had what, no what idea. Has sugar when I initially lost doesn't... weight, I was just like, yeah. I need to eat less and yeah, I need to less. do more uh, exercise. Yeah. So eat greens, things yeah. that are green automatically are good. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay, vegetables. Uh, and, <laughs> and that's kind of the, what I did is, is it was uh, a lot of cardio, a lot of walking around. Uh, at the time, I was busing to the university, so I'd say, you know what, I don't have class until this time. I'm going to walk to the bus stop. So that was like the main thing is, is you know what, I'm not going to take the bus to that next bus. I'm going to walk to that bus stop this time. And then I just started doing that in the exact same point. I'd walk. I'd get dropped off at a certain spot and be like, okay, this is going to be a 45 minute walk. I'm going to do that 45 minute walk, and then back and forth. And winter came, and of course, you want to take the bus at that point in Winnipeg weather, but um, <laughs> but anyway, so that was the initial thing, and 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 just eating less and and eating less of my parents food actually so not eating pasta and like pizza and all that kind of stuff and so it was kind of like a complete carb drop but then at the same time i didn't understand protein so then i how much sorry how much did you lose and how long did so it take you to lose that it was uh it was over i think like almost two years i went from 265 to 150 in one shot um, wow. it was 115 yeah. Yeah. Someone, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. From 150 to 260. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and it was awesome because it was just like all of a sudden, you know, I showed up to a party or something like that. And my friend's like, who is this guy? Like, this is completely different. Like, your hat, like three, almost like, like two thirds the size as you were before. And, and that was pretty awesome. And I was never not a confident guy, like to go back into kind of the confident thing is like, I was always a very confident guy, but it's just that extra push. Like, okay, cool. Like this actually worked, you know, I'm actually getting some some looks and that kind of stuff. And here's the, uh, and, and you look different in the mirror and just like the whole concept. Now you're a different person. Right. And some people look back and they look at pictures of when I was at it, like you were a different human being, like you're not this. And I'll show you a picture later on. And you'll be like, wow, like that's not even the yeah. same guy like that. You know, you did expect me to be a totally different person if you, if you saw that. Um, but I think one big thing that would have been valuable and, and I think is, is super advantageous now with like YouTube and fitness models and, and people like say, I don't know if you're, I know you know him, but like Christian Guzman, I don't know if you know who that is. He has the old Alpha Very Lead. Very big on YouTube, Alpha Lead, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, owns and, and his own supplements. Of, and Yeah, and, and the whole macronutrient understanding like, you know, proteins, carbs, fats, what has sugar in it and, and how they work to your advantage. Uh, keto diet concept, like, you know, energy running off of, you know, carbohydrates versus proteins and that kind of stuff. And, and that is so much more accessible now than it was like even five years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Because and where then, would you go to find that five years ago? Probably like bodybuilding.com or something. Yeah. It's a little more accessible and there's more like there's YouTube now is a huge source of that knowledge. Well, the big thing used to always be diet books coming out that too. And it well. would and it was always the fad diet was the well, highest selling one too. Yeah. A thing is too what comes to light nowadays is how much um how much paid research was done back, especially in the nineties, in terms of uh for Example, uh, red meat and, and how saturated fats mm-hmm. led to heart disease. But the studies were so bogus, and it was they were paid by the sugar industries, right? Yeah. And that, that's come to light only 
fairly recently. Yeah. That I'm like, oh, it's actually sugar that's the culprit. Yeah, like it's refined fat, sugar right? and yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's carbs. not fat. It's actually sugar that has been embedded into ninety uh, percent of what you pick up off off the shelf, right? And um, and and fats was a huge one. Like, I mean, uh, from and I'm sure all our parents' generation is that you know you shouldn't have more than two eggs a week. Yeah, was the concept, and but it's like because they didn't understand the difference right? between yeah. cholesterol, LDL, and HDL, yeah, yeah. And, and what was good and what was bad. And now you can literally eat as many eggs as you want because it doesn't really do anything bad it's actually the more good fats you have the the better your cholesterol is because it eats away the bad cholesterol right so that's yeah. kind of the, the whole concept but um and, and and what's cool is that that's available and it's you know it's guys like you guys that have you know been part of the fitness industry and since like you know a good life for both of you and then yourself a good life yeah. that you can actually now educate and that's the whole thing is now that you can give that to somebody and yeah. they can pass that on i actually just... never realized and, and a lot of the research i've done was like i did some through university i took some nutrition courses through university i also did most most of the research i did was by reading books mm. and through online forums and reddit and just youtube videos and just kind of getting an idea of and you as well because I, you've educated me because you probably i didn't lose weight until after you lost weight because right. you that was kind of the source of inspiration for me or mm -hmm. one of the sources of inspiration I'm like wow if you could do it why can't i right right and then um that's awesome the yeah. and then the, the macronutrients came after and then i had you had no idea and then i had no idea and then it was like talking to you online or in yeah. person and, yeah, yeah. and kind of getting an idea i'm like yeah, okay and then really i'm cool going online macronutrients. <laughs> and research this like diet that you're on or research like oh what are, like what kind of protein is this or like oh how's how do how are proteins made what yeah. are amino acids etc and I, and Oh, I was just gonna say you could you could dip as, as in such extreme tangents of of what those mean because they're they're so complicated, but look at with the simple eye like it's just as long as you're generally consistent with what you're doing you're gonna get a consistent result yeah even if you're not nitpick because if I, I literally think you lose your mind if you sat there and looked at how much crap is in food and how much crap well, is in water and people and, don't realize what what they're putting in their bodies and even now like i i get new clients or potential clients that come in and i sit down with them and the first thing is like hey let's go through your diet like run me through a, a typical day of eating well like i wake up i have three glasses of orange juice i'm like stop right there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say no more <laughs> and then i always use like things like the analogy of like well, I'm like, how many oranges are in a glass of orange juice? Typically around five oranges in a glass of orange juice. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you eat five oranges in a day on the first answer? No, probably not. Then why would you drink a glass of orange juice? Yeah. Not only that, it's, it's, there's usually added sugar in there, um, and all the fiber essentially is gone yeah. from the orange. And, and, that's, and, and that's the whole thing is, is I think nature has already done that for us. Is like an orange is the size that it is, an apple is the size that it is, yeah. because it's to tell your body that that is how much you're supposed to eat in the sense that well, you eat an apple. Yeah. And, and then even when it comes to fruit, yeah. like yeah. fruit, super high in nutrients, but you, I mean, you're, you're not going to eat five, six, seven fruits a day. You don't need that much fructose in your diet, right? right? Yeah. Whereas vegetables is kind of the opposite. You know, I mean, I don't think you can ever eat yeah, enough Yeah, you can vegetables. just keep eating them forever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I don't actually know what macronutrients are. I, I've my, my parlay into diets was always training for football and then all of a sudden there's a diet plan in front of me but from that I was able to eventually learn what was healthy food and what yeah. wasn't and it was a balance of carbs veggies proteins and basically the more veggies and proteins you could get the better and fresh food was obviously the best too like anything from a box was just unhealthy because yeah, you're going to yeah. get all those trans fats and bad carbs and and basically that and now Flash forward, I've, I've now become more interested in the dieting aspect. And even 
I've taken away the supplementation too because I just went, I don't like the idea of labs synthesizing something and me putting this in my body when I don't really know what's in it. And I've actually, I've, I've been on the other side where I've taken a bunch of supplements and it's been moderately helpful, but then you get really, you get stuck and just, and, and there's a plateau effect of, of, okay, I have to take all these supplements. What are they really doing at this point after eight weeks or whatever? And I know you're supposed to cycle on and off, but when you're training for a sport, it's kind of tough to figure out what the balance is in that. Right. So now my theory is, is more so just let's eat natural, let's eat healthy. And my diet now is paleo. I didn't want to get in the keto train because that seems like a little bit of a supplementation boost. Like they really want to sell the supplementation well, now, and the yeah. books uh, you don't and the have science to be, behind it. You don't have to be on any supplements to be in, a, in, in ketosis. It, right. It can be harder to get into ketosis, but you don't. But yeah, supplements are becoming a much larger, are, are growing in the industry. Uh, there's the Keto OS Prove It uh, whole brand that a lot of people are into right now. It's very expensive, but it, it, they, they do what the urine tests that show that they're in ketosis and what level of ketosis they're in. Yeah. Um, so it, it helps them just hit ketosis that much faster. Mm. You don't need it. You can do it the hard way and go and just not have carbs or have very little to carbs. To me, it seems this happens a lot where there's a bunch of marketing put towards this one idea that's going to change your life. Yeah. And then they make a ton of money off of that. And then all of a sudden it shifts. But paleo is essentially the same, only I'm going to the grocery store. I'm shopping around the outside. So I'm yeah. getting protein. I'm getting my produce. And I wish I could afford to eat more natural foods. Like I looked at a, an organic yam compared to the yams that you get in the store. And I like the biggest yams because I've started making yam toast. Like I'll just nice. cut a slice. And Put just, it in the toaster. Because awesome. I, I miss bread. That's the one thing that's really hard. <laughs> and I also have a sweet tooth. I miss pastries too. Every once in a while I need a muffin. There you go. But, uh, but no, <laughs> it's getting to that point where it was, okay, what are the things that I can sub in? But the yams that I buy are these giant things. And now realizing that's probably not the natural way that you're going to find it in the wild. So it's, it's tough to make healthy, conscious food choices in this day and age where yeah. you don't necessarily know what it's being treated with, what's going into your body and what True. kind of effects that that might have on you long term. I blame Monsanto, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Dario would too. <laughs> yeah. We had, we had yeah. uh, lengthy conversations about Monsanto before. Monsanto. Yeah, it's and it's and it's one of those crazy things where it's there's there's so many harmful things like cell phones, Wi-Fi. Like there's all these things that attribute to to the studies that exist that you know this gives you cancer, this doesn't. So it's almost one of those things where it's you have to sort of bridge, and that and that's where having some education and 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 making sure that you know in your field is that you know people understand that. Like even if you're not getting, and I would say like if you didn't go organic, uh, if you didn't go organic, say for example, uh, and you did get that big yam, it's like well cost per quantity per like you got to feed yourself and you got to yeah. live right yeah. so it's like yeah. now you have to you know balance, balance like yeah. you know does it make sense to get organic because it's better for me but am i being harmed by something that i'm not even thinking about which is my cell phone sitting in my pocket yeah right so it's like well is that harming me more than not eating organic you know what i mean so it's just like do you now yeah. focus on yeah should eating I... or should you never have a cell phone in your pocket you know yeah. what i'm saying so it's like yeah so it's like i, I think if, if as long as you're knowledgeable enough that you know that you're giving yourself X amount of each one of those kind of, you know, pillars of, of you know, protein, carbs, fats, 
Uh, you're actually digesting properly, which is what vegetables essentially do is that they, is they help you digest food. If not, you're not really getting the nutrients that you need from that food. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's just, it's cool that you're doing that and, and it's, and you're kind of focusing on that, but just again, to play devil's advocate on it, it's just like, there's so many different ways to look at it. But I yeah. think that if you're at least consistent and you know what your end goal is, then you can kind of gear what you're doing to that end goal. Right. And that's, that's why it's tough for everybody. Cause it's, there's guys that are, uh, like ectomorphs, say for example, that could eat like six burgers and never put on pounds. Those are the types of guys that don't need that knowledge in their mind because it's like, well, it doesn't do anything for me because it doesn't matter. But it, well, it, but it is doing something to them. They it, just don't see it is. the, and, the and immediate result of it. Those are the toughest people to change yeah. because like, say like we have a mutual friend, Mike Hastings, yeah. which can literally eat, doesn't matter what he eats. And it's just, he's the skinniest guy yeah. ever forever. He's the exact definition of an ectomorph. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He is, Extreme if you were ectomorph. textbook ectomorph he is the guy that you'd see in, in in that book right like it's yeah just constantly burning any fat yeah. that he puts into his body i've oh, definitely yeah. met those people too i remember days uh back in just after high school we would go to a and w two three times a week and so he'd of... put back like three teen burger three double teen burgers like nothing yeah. keep hitting this today i don't know why <laughs> okay. i got i talk with like my you. hands um he yeah and i would get two team burgers and he'd be done and still be hungry and i would be like full after two team burgers and yeah. i'm i'm double if not more, his size and weight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that the main thing that I'm kind of getting at is that it's just understanding it. And I, and I feel that that's something that should just be in like the standard of education like that. It should be something that should be in schools from like grade one. I well, wonder if that'll shift now because you had the Canada food guide for the longest time that said eat all the pasta well, and the It hasn't bread been and changed yet, the, but it's in the process of being changed. Yeah. Which, yeah. come on, that came out in what, the 90s? I think nobody's said we should maybe revisit this and say that (laughs) get your wheat and dairy in every day. But then you look at, okay, we have access to wheat, especially in the prairies. You have so many farming communities. You look at some of the influences behind, well, why would we have this amount of this? And, and I do get accessibility, especially through history. Again, I I always go back to history, but you're going to eat what's accessible. So if wheat's accessible and that's what you can grow, that's what you can yield. Yeah. It does make a lot more sense. But now when we're able to, we have a global food economy and we have global access to different things. It's just, it makes sense that our diets are changing and that we're learning all this. We have all this knowledge now to, to adapt, uh, adapt towards our diet knowledge right. and, yeah. and how we're, how we're following it. So, yeah. And, and, and it's, it gets difficult because everybody's different and everybody's body's different. So it's, that's why like all these like uh, bodybuilding.com diets and these magazine diets before internet was a popular uh, source to get this information was, is that they make staples and it's mm-hmm. like, this is the staple diet and this is, you know, based off of this. And if you want to get this result and a lot of the times those workouts were steroid users that yeah yeah are saying yeah. workout, you know, six times a week or whatever, and then eat this much. But that only applies to if you're doing that to get that result, right? So then it wouldn't fit. You wouldn't have the same amount of time to recover and all these types of things. And and that's the cool thing. And this is why, what, why I was saying is it should be incorporated in education. It should be incorporated with like doctors and nutritionists yeah. should essentially be the same thing where it's you go to your doctor to find out, is my body type this? Therefore, should I be eating this? Yeah. Right? And then figuring out your what works for you. Some people are carb sensitive. Some people are not carb sensitive. So it's like how you gain and lose weight now is relative because everybody's different. So there should be a source that simplifies that for, for humanity in, in, in yeah. some way. Right. And I think that's, that's what the fitness industry should be. And that's what, like what you do, right? Like that's essentially what 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's hard because nutrition is, in terms of science, and a lot of people don't even consider it a science. I would. Um, it's so new still, right? Yeah. And, and it's so open to interpretation. Things are change. Things change, change on a monthly basis. Like, look at how big keto is from now. I'm, one day we may find out that there's this key part of keto that's terrible for us. Right. That, that carbs are maybe a necessity in our diet. We don't yeah. know, right? I'm not saying that that's true, but that could happen. Could right? happen, yeah. Could People happen. cooked with lead pots for in the uh, early to mid uh, 20th century, and we didn't know that that was bad until probably the 60s, 70s. Right. That that led to lead poisoning yeah. and things like that. Mercury in fish, that's a pretty new yeah, that's true. discovery yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Like that if you eat fish all the time, you can get mercury poisoning. But there are some consistent things that, that are consistent right like that yeah. in the sense that like you know that and and i've done this uh almost uh every year the last two years uh i've uh you know put on say 20 pounds and then lost 20 pounds and then had abs and then put on 20 pounds and then lose 20 pounds and it's just this kind of the bulk cut kind of you know concept that everybody yeah. is familiar with in the fitness industry right but it's uh but the fact that you know that i can successfully do that each time means that there are some consistent things that i can control and as long as it's consistently being input you can get that output each time and, and that's yeah. the cool thing is that even with all that you know some things are real some things are not real but it's like if you can consistently do one thing to get that result you know that you can succeed yeah by just it's, doing it right it's literally yeah it's kind of a trial and error thing with your body yeah. that you're kind of doing like what works what doesn't work um and it's something i'm still um experimenting with even to this day and i for the first time i think well, I've been on a keto diet before where I've, I've seen results, but I, so a lot, along with the kind of fad diets and that, I always, especially with new clients that I have, I always make it uh, substantially clear that like, yeah, you can try the keto diet. That's fine. But I'm all about sustainability. Mm -hmm. What's going to work for you for a long period of time, not yeah. what you can do for the next three months and right. then go back to your old lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And same thing with fitness. Like you're not going to come here for a year workout with me and be like, Hey, I can just go back to eating Doritos on the couch after that and be completely fit for the rest of my life. That's not the way it works. Now you have to maintain, right? Right. What can you maintain for a long period of time? So your diet's going to change drastically, and, I'm, and this is the way I explain it, is you're not going to go from zero to 100. So let's go from zero to 20 first. Right. Yeah. Right? Let's change yeah. a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more until you become familiar and becomes a habit in that lifestyle. It, see, it takes a long time to change a mindset, especially something that's been ingrained sometimes from youth. Uh, I know even in my life it was McDonald's before games, after games. We were always on the run from different things. And so learning that other side and being able to know exactly what your diet should be was always a big thing. So actually getting to that point where we have that knowledge is huge. Um, what were you saying about, sorry, what was your last point? Um, just basically not going from zero to 100. So you're, you're always like right, you're, breaking it down. You, you can go on to that. That can be your long-term goal, sure, to get there, to be on that diet or to get to that point where you can work out five times a week. But we're not – if you've never worked out in the gym before, you're not going to work out five times a week right off the hop. It's not yeah. going to happen. I did it, though, but <laughs> it's, you're see, not going to do but it. But that incremental change of the mindset yes, is, something that's that way to put it. is something that's really important if you're going from being non-active to active. But even then, dieting is learning what's, what's going to be healthier for you. What are you – what are the things that you can limit or that you can take out of your diet that are going to make the biggest difference? What are the things in the gym that you should be doing that you aren't? Or 
if you haven't been going, let's let's incrementally go yeah. and and start to build your knowledge base so that you can, you know, a year later, hopefully you've taught them enough that it can be sustainable yeah. in their own life. They know what they're doing. They can do their own workouts. They know exactly what their body needs to, yeah. to be healthy and to, yeah. As long as they have or, the basics, I think they're, they're on good footing. I, I think a lot of them come and they want that instant advice. That's going to give them instant results right away. And we don't have that. And I'll tell them I'm abundantly clear on that too. I'm like, I'm not in a holistic nutritionist or I'm not a dietitian. I can't legally give you advice. I can show you the way of what I think is right. But I'm like, things change all the time, especially in nutrition. It could come a time next week, next year, where I could be wrong about what I'm saying right now right. in some way or form, right? There's yeah. certain basics that I know are going to be right and probably stay right for a while or for a long period of time that we know about in terms of like things like macronutrients. Yeah. Um, and I was going to get into macronutrients a little bit just because I know Riley's not like super familiar with it, but I'm sure you've heard it a million times. But just yeah. I think the, the concept, again, is a lifestyle concept where if you – and it's a knowledge thing where it's like, you know, you, you look at something, you know, it's good because you've had it before and that now becomes knowledge that, you know, that's really good. I can go back there and eat that and I'll be happy with, with whatever that is. Right. So just how you learn that macronutrients is the same way in the sense that say you see like a sponge cake and you're like, Hey, you know what? Now I know that that's probably going to be, you know, 12 grams of sugar, you know, 32 grams of carbs and two grams of protein. Right. And like now you would have never known that before, but if you took the time to actually figure that out or eating like a McDonald's burger, now you can fit that into your lifestyle where if I want to have a burger, I'm going to eat it yeah. and it's not going to affect me in my goals because I've now adjusted my day around yeah. that because I know the macronutrients that are involved in it. So it's like, okay, uh, I'll have less of this for breakfast because I know that I can eat this McDonald's burger for dinner and I'll still end up with the same numbers yeah. at the end of the day type of concept. Yeah, And then it gets crazy because then people are like well that's insane like you're gonna spend all your day just counting numbers and, and all that but now it becomes you see a burger you'd know you that's know this this and this that's the thing yeah. you learn and that's yes. the knowledge yeah. side of it right yeah at first it's gonna suck in the counting of numbers and, and but the thing is there's apps like my fitness pal that yeah, help you easy, do that yeah. which makes it a lot easier well even weight watchers isn't that yeah. what they're built upon is yeah is the point system thing the point yeah. system but yeah they're worth certain things and you gotta exactly stay under. Uh, and eggs are worth zero points now which is a fundamental change in their whole diet plan, which is crucial because eggs should be worth zero points. They're high, high in essential fats and protein. Yeah. Well, and they brought back the yolks because healthy cholesterol is in the yolks. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I used to eat four eggs for breakfast, but only egg whites. Well, and it seems right. like such a waste yeah, yeah. now. The healthiest part of the protein <laughs> in the egg is actually in the yolk. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the thing with like raw eggs too, like it's, it's unsynthesized protein as well. And Well, they say, isn't it, is it salmonella that you can get from raw eggs? So that's the one reason you yeah. shouldn't do it. I don't know if you can in Canada. We have different laws um, in terms of how grading they, of the eggs. And uh, grading of the eggs. So we should stuff, go yeah. on the Rocky diet, is what you're telling us. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, now you can find egg whites carton like they're yeah. Pre and the egg whites are still good for you. They're still whites, super yeah. high. If you need an extra boost in protein, the egg whites are still a great way to go. And that's actually my main source of protein. Actually, is is egg whites. Like I just I pour a glass like a cup of it and I drink it in the morning. That's literally what I, but, but pasteurized, like it's, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. not going to get salmonella from it, but, um, but yeah, sorry, Jace, you're, um, I don't know. There was a point I was making a long time ago and I forgot <laughs> about it and I kind of wanted to come back to it. Yes. <laughs> on the whole, like going from zero to 100 and, and the macronutrients and everything and, and how I'm always changing and I'm not always right. And kind of one of the biggest changes I've made lately and then four weeks ago is I cut wheat out of my diet. 
meat? Some wheat. Oh, wheat, wheat. wheat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and refined carbs. Okay. So it's people are like, well, isn't that a keto diet? I'm like, well, I mean, partial keto. Yeah, sure. Um, it's also but like I, paleo. There you go. Um, What's different? (laughs) What is it that you're doing here, Jason? But I I something else. I never realized how much of a negative effect wheat had on my body. Yeah, I've been on keto and I I felt great on keto. It was the bounce back from keto that I didn't like. I'm like, and I like certain carbs. I like my burgers. I like, uh, I like fruit, kiwis, stuff like that, which are all have it has fructose in it, right? That's still a source of carbs. And I didn't want to limit myself to 30, 40, 50 grams of carbs a day only. Um, so I'm like, what can I do? And, and, um, I was like, Hey, let's try cutting out wheat. Let's see what that does. And I didn't realize how sluggish I felt on wheat until I went off of it Mm. and just how much in terms of affecting my sleep and my energy throughout the day. So I used to get a dip in energy around three or 4 PM for a couple hours where I just feel like I, this intense feeling of, I need to sleep right now. And I haven't had that in the last four weeks since I cut out wheat. Mm. Um, also waking up earlier, I find I need less sleep and I feel more refreshed from less sleep. Oh, so wow. off six, seven hours, I feel the same as I did if I would get nine, 10 hours sleep. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. My so. worst, my worst habit is still the caffeine. So I don't know the the changes in my energy level as much. Cause I just, I rely on that morning glass of coffee to wake me up and then maybe one more or two more throughout the day. So that's my, you're going to have to hold me to that. After this Spartan race, <laughs> I'm going to cut down my caffeine intake and go down to one cup of coffee. Can I have green tea after lunch or something? I do like a warm beverage when I'm at work. Too, I don't. So. I never speak ill of caffeine, honestly. It's just that your receptors become um, kind of burned out from caffeine. So you always need more in order to get that same effect. Usually, yeah. Right. And I've plateaued. I don't go over a certain amount, but it's still I just feel that it's too much. And I've wanted to make a change, and I have before, but I always end up coming back to it. So I need to. Yeah. I'm I'm not so so when I have like clients that come to me and like, oh, I need to cut back on coffee. I'm like, well, what kind of coffee? I'm like, can we just switch to black coffee? That's what. Which if I were to have, I don't like coffee, but if I were to have coffee, it would just be black coffee because it's usually all the additives in coffee that are the bad things for you. Well, bad in the diet sense, but yeah. just. In terms of caffeine, if you're having too much caffeine, you're going to rely on it for that energy well, source sure. is, is more so what I'm, I'm, I'm worried about. But yeah. I do get the side of let's not add three scoops of sugar. Let's not get the Tim Hortons triple, triple <laughs> or double, double. Because Isn't there the Wayne Gretzky as well? <laughs> nine and nine. Nine and nine, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that that's – you might as well have three cans of Coke at that point because I'm sure it's <laughs> probably the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if not more. Yeah, yeah. I think with any of that stim stuff, though, like like – for yourself that like I'm, I'm the same as you where I, I, I don't want to say I have to have a cup of coffee in the morning, but like, it's like, yeah, you enjoy it. Your day is a little bit different and, and I guess yeah. more positive, uh, from it. But I think it's just, uh, understanding how much you're having and, and, yeah. and being consistent with what you have. And I think that's the issue is that people, you know, they'll have a bad night's sleep and then all of a sudden they fall into a tangent of now I have to have now five coffees and then that's thrown off your next day. And then you start having a little bit more to and then snowballs, right? And yeah. it snowballs, right. And, yeah. and, and I'm very, very like, crazy when it comes to that kind of stuff like people know this about me specifically is that i will have maximum two coffees a day if i have one in the morning i'll have one later on before a workout or a pre-workout if i'm gonna have one at all yeah will be but if i have that pre-workout i don't have coffee anymore so it's just like two times like one in the morning sometime midday or later on in the day and that's it and it's just you'll i won't touch caffeine again that's good to stay regimented in that way so that you never really fall off the wagon and you start to have to have two in the morning and then you have another one after the pre-workout or but uh, no, I completely understand that that mindset though of just 
the one the one time that it was probably the worst in my life was when I was bartending, and so you're mm-hmm. up until two, three, four a.m. and it always was the ten thirty. 10, 10, 30 p.m. right before the, the club rush because we had a bar that changed over. Uh, and it was shotgunning the Red Bull. <laughs> and then sometimes oh, no. one more if you needed it. Oh, it was a smaller size, but <laughs> that was maybe the epitome of my caffeine abuse. <laughs> uh, but now it's, I guess, I, I drink black coffee and a couple cups a day is, is much better than that, I would say. Yeah. So I, sure. I guess I've I taken mean, some strides. Energy drinks are another, I mean, there's sugar-free energy drinks now. Um, I mean, I have a, a monster or a rock star from time to time if I feel I need it, um, like the zero sugar ones. But, I mean, there's things like there's, what, 2,000 milligrams of taurine in there, which we have no idea what the effects of something like that on the human body is as of yet. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that stuff's scary sometimes, uh, which is why I always say, like, that kind of stuff just limit as much as possible because it's just, yeah. like, if you're going to have it, whatever... Well, and there's a reason why on there it says limit two two a day yeah. per person, right? For an average person, because three might kill you, <laughs> or who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, or you might become superhuman. It's been known to cause increased heart rate in some people, right? Energy yeah. drinks. So, like, that's a scary thought. The fact that you're running off, uh, you're working harder for no reason. Yeah, for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it just goes back to that natural is probably better and anything that is synthesized in a lab so i don't i couldn't tell you what taurine is from and where they synthesize it from so it's probably not the greatest for you yeah that's, that's my theory at least it, it might not be complete evidence yeah obviously yeah i think that's a good way to looking at it looking at it is just if you have to don't have to rely on and synthesized uh products as much then don't right yeah i mean Look at things like that's why I said wheat and refined sugar. I cut mm. those things out because they're refined. They're all they're all man made. They take this take nature and, and make it into something completely different, right? Whereas if I'm having a kiwi or an apple and orange, that I mean that's coming right off the tree, right? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, GMOs plays a big role into that, and that's also something I kind of wanted to get in with you. We yeah. we've kind of had back and forth <laughs> de- debates in the in the past. I do as I've learned because I've always thought that you've kind of had a uh, been ahead on the curve in terms of nutrition ahead of me I've always kind of learned things after you um, and it, even even now I don't I, we probably have a little bit different education based based into nutrition yeah um, I kind of I like to read a lot more about nutrition than I did back then mm. um, but I, I used to disagree with you on in terms of GMOs and I think I, I agree more than I disagree now I, I'm more against GMOs now right. than I've ever been. Um, but I kind of want to hear your take on it and why Can you're... Can we do a quick explanation on GMOs to start, too? Daria would probably be the best for this. Um, what does and, GMO stand for? Uh, genetically modified... Organisms. Uh, organisms. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of my understanding of it was what I read years ago, and I, and I got to a point where I just kind of accepted that I know nothing about it, actually, to it's tell a you the com- truth. It's a complicated subject. Yeah, and, and and there's so many sides to it, and it's it's uh, and you kind of touched on this uh, earlier, just before we started. Uh, I don't remember what you said, but there was a difference between. Um, well, there's two. There, well, there's probably more than two, but people get confused when GMO is said because genetically modified can mean two different things. So genetically modified can include things like chemicals, like uh, Monsanto seeds, mm-hmm. um, or it can mean genetic selection. So genetic selection. I mean, you can't put a vegetable in your mouth. It's been genetically selected. There used to be thousands of different varieties of each vegetable that don't exist because we've crossbred vegetables so much these days. Right, yeah. Because, but the whole reason, genetic selection is just, you take, for example, two tomatoes and 
our tomato tree grows and you take the bigger tomato and you plant the seeds of the bigger tomato because you're going to get more bigger, bigger tomatoes out of that seed. Right. So that's genetic selection. So you're just taking the bigger, healthier uh, of the plants and continuing to harvest that. Right. Um, that has nothing to do with chemicals, but then genetically modified can also mean chemical-based. And that's where it gets confusing, right? So I, I think my, my focus on, on GMOs was always that I didn't know what the modification was doing in the sense that if it now make, gives you a bigger orange or a bigger apple or whatever, is there still the same amount of nutrients in that item than its original version of it, right? So like say uh, oranges gave you whatever, what's a, what's a standard orange amount of vitamin C that you got of like a, an orange? I don't even, I can't even think of, of how much you do, but, but a decent amount, know. right? Yeah. But then it's argued that uh, uh, a genetically modified orange is now uh, reduced. So now it's like, well, I need to eat 10 oranges to get what that original natural orange gave me because they've modified it so many times to look a certain way or be a certain size that they don't know. And, and some of the research that I've read, and I, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but was when they do it, it's almost like they're just like, they're just shooting in the dark. They have no idea. They go in and they change something and they can get one result, but they have no idea what it's doing in other forms and they can't consistently no, I, show well, a you're result. Right. I, I right? think a lot of it is a shot in the dark and yeah. it's so, it's not regulated, right? right? So they can do whatever they want and, and here you go, public. I mean, it's much like supplements, same thing, yeah. right? It's not regulated, at least not yet. Right. Or only regulated to a certain extent. So they can almost do whatever they want. Yeah. And, and, and I got to a point where, and, and this is kind of where I was like pretty hardcore and telling you about it. And then you're like, what are you talking about? Like, what is like, you know, well, nobody but knows anything that was about because it. I thought you were shooting down genetic, things like genetic selection. Yeah. And, and I got to a point and, and this is, uh, I don't know, this is a, a positive thing, but, um, but I got to a point where I just stopped caring because it was, <laughs> it was to the point where, you know, in my lifetime, and, and this is the part that doesn't sound good because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you want to change it so the future generations don't get affected by it. But it's, it's to the point where it's, uh, you need to eat so that you can wake up and do what you need to do the next day. So it's control what you can control and don't worry about things you can't really control in the grand scheme of things because I feel that there's better, more educated, more powerful people that will make a bigger difference. Mm-hmm. But I think talking about it is what's important in the sense that you just need to continuously make it uh, available knowledge to everybody to say that, you know, there is clearly something that is potentially not positive out of genetically modified things, right? You you showed me studies before. You told me about studies of of, uh, genetically modified seeds and them spreading it and entire populations getting sick off of yeah it was it was from the crop what documentary it was one of those netflix documentaries i think i that i saw i can't remember which one it was but it was basically uh i think it was it was this country that monsanto gave them a bunch of seeds to help uh and they were turning it as a positive where they're like yeah we're helping this country eat but then they denied the monsanto seeds because when they planted them they like the crops died and they always have to replant and they're genetically made so that they only last one growing season. So then they've put a dollar on the seed in the sense that now you've planted, normally you go and you plant crops and it's like, okay, well then those crops make other seeds. And then the next year you have another growth season out of those same seeds. And it's a continuous cycle of, mm-hmm. of how those work yeah. where, where the Monsanto ones, this is my understanding of how they function is that, you buy them, Jay, say, for example, you plant your tomatoes, and then the next year you can't replant those seeds to grow them. You have to buy another group of, of seeds to then replant them because they only last one growing season. 
which is now they've monetized natural growth of, of, yeah. of vegetables, right? Yeah. And, and fruits and just the way that you can keep a stranglehold on a, on a complete industry, right? If you can, if they have to come to you to buy the seeds because they die every year, right. you just, yeah, you keep the stranglehold. It's a scary, it's a scary thing just to see that companies can have that power. Like, yeah, yeah it, lots do. Yeah. A lot of big companies that you don't like Monsanto. I didn't even hear about it until he brought it up years ago. I was like, what's Monsanto? And they yeah. have a, they, they have a building here. Do they not? Yeah. University of Manitoba. Yeah. 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 And I don't know if I can tell this story, but I used to work at a restaurant that had, uh, natural philosophies on food and all the Monsanto people would come and eat there. So they wouldn't even eat their own. That was kind of what I took from that is a lot of the people that worked there would rather have natural food that was untouched by their their own chemicals. They must know something, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much all you got to know there. Yeah, Yeah. so, but I mean, it just like logically thinking of where your food comes from can save you a headache. Like how how do these Monsanto seeds work? How is this crop able to take more nutrients from a, from the ground than other crops. How is that physically possible? Right. Right. Where does it gain from? Or is it not? Like, yeah. Is, yeah. is it the same? Right. Yeah. Does it just look bigger? Like, yeah, exactly. And, and, and there's benefits and, 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 and disadvantages of course with it. Like, I mean, it's, uh, and we were talking about this earlier, but, um, that the argument is that they can now feed more of the population and that's the reason that it exists is that it needed yeah, to, which to is, I guess, a noble cause, I guess, but yes. But at the same time, now it's also argued that, and again, there's another documentary that I watched. And again, all these documentaries are all just information. That you have no idea if this is real or not because it's just well, because you don't talking. know which ones are are paid off or not, right? Yeah, and, some of them are. And and kind of the concept that stuck with me was that a farmer said that he was actually able to reuse the seeds and produce more crop than the Monsanto seeds actually do. And a lot of the numbers are skewed. That Monsanto will say, no, you will actually get this much yield. Where uh, a farmer said, no, I actually get more yield using the same ones that I continuously use. And it's now mm. just information loss in, 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 in translation now, right? So that's kind of the, the whole thing is that now people think that, you know, that actually is. And, and I don't know if that's true or not, but, but say it is, like, that's pretty significant, I'd say. The thing is, the takeaway I would have from this is just that at least there's people willing to ask these difficult questions. There's yeah. people researching it, and there's people who care about our nutrition and exactly what we're getting from doesn't matter if it's these seeds or even if it's saturated fats, there's people, there's, there's researchers, there's science behind it. And there's people trying to, cause it is important. Let's we, everybody talks about let's solve starvation and mm-hmm. how do we do that? And obviously there's, it's this mix. I would say, especially now it, uh, there was the boom in the eighties, nineties where it was, there's all this food and there's grocery stores and there's all prepackaged things. And, and so it was, you went away from natural to processed foods. And now it seems that we see the errors in that and almost in the same way in the medicine field where it's, okay, we used to vaccinate for absolutely everything. Yeah. And yes, vaccinations have allowed us to live longer. We now live to our eighties on average. And so it's, there are good things about these sciences and these 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 developments that we have, whether it's in food or medicine, but there is the limit of maybe there's some dangers to these things that we're putting into our ecosystems, into yeah. the air, into the things that we eat, and even into our bodies if it's if it's medicines, right? So the the good news is we're asking these questions. Yeah. The difficulty is is 
what's the damage that's been done, and even planetary now, that seems to be a huge issue is how do we become sustainable as a planet, even through our food and, and through the science as well. So Well, last time Ben was on the podcast, we talked about this. It's not. like The world is unsustainable at the moment. Yes. The population has to be lessened in order for us. And then we can look at things like possibly creating a, a healthier, but yeah, we're trying, we're trying to find ways to feed people that the earth can't possibly do, right? It was strange. Somebody told me that the carrying capacity of the planet is actually 10 billion people, but I think really? that was more of a humanist approach where it's, because I've heard it's closer to one, to, between one and two. I would say that that, that does make sense, but I don't see how with technological advances and, and the way that we're going, how we couldn't essentially get past a lot of the struggles that we have. Sure. And unfortunately, I think it gets worse before it gets better, though, because just the amount of natural disasters that seem to be escalating, and I don't know if that's a little bit we have more information for it, but it yeah. you can tell there's some disarray in the planet itself, and it's becoming more chaotic. And yes, there, there have been ice ages, there have been warming periods, there have been mass extinctions. Uh, they call this one the sixth extinction, but it's because there's, I mean, the science behind it, there's the carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and all sorts of different issues. Yeah. Uh, but it seems that this one's man-made and that there's a lot of science that, that would agree with that. You could say we're going through a warming period, but when we're losing coral reefs, reefs that have been here and we're yeah. losing Arctic. no time Arctic, at all, by the way, it, the Australian one. Is, yeah, it's almost, I, I believe it's beyond saving is yeah, what they, they recently announced. Oh. And, our, and that's the, the biggest coral reef in the world. It's and, crazy. And our oceans are, are increasing in temperature by 0.1 of a degree every year, which in a couple of years, that means they'll be five degrees warmer. And so all sorts of species will become extinct, yeah. die out. So it's, we really need yeah. to... And that's what I would say is going to be the fight of the 21st century is figuring out the sustainable ways that we can progress forward. And if we don't, <laughs> there is a consequence. Yeah. Uh, whether or not the next ice age is man-made or not, like we're overdue for an ice age as it is, right? Well, we're getting warmer, which is the strange thing. But, but, it's, but that's what happens before the ice age. We get warmer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense that we'll come full circle in a certain sense where the planet will essentially fight back is what, what it seems like is going to happen. Well, we already know. Inevitably, there's going to be another ice age or there's going to be some super volcano that blows. Something is going to happen, right? True. And we're going to have to deal with it when that time comes, whether it's in our lifetime or not. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and just to add, like, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's they've seen all these cycles happen, and that was, you know, before, I mean, who knows if there was a, an advanced race before that did exactly what we did already and caused it again, but let's say there wasn't. It just naturally has happened so many times that it's just one of those things where it's like maybe it just does have to happen, and there is no, you no know, way positive it. way around it. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, you know, we're here, and, and we live it, and then once we get to the point where it's not sustainable, then like these species that just disappear from a five- degree increase so we will not also right so then, yeah. and it's and it's and it's crazy to think about but it's just like who knows right like it's i love to think that we were born from a universe of chaos and order all of a sudden these these energies came together and it's all these i would say freak accidents but all these things had to happen to create 
our galaxy, had to create the planets, created our sun, and yeah. created the the extremes and and things that happen on our planet to develop life. And then from that to happen to get to where we are, the, there were times where the reptiles and dinosaurs reigned supreme. There's time where it was organisms in the bottom of oceans. And it's crazy to think that we've come from <laughs> almost nothingness. I mean, yes, you can get into the theory of Big Bang and how everything all started, but we're here, which is a really cool thing. And, and yeah. the fact that we have the ability to change our our the lives of our species of our of our planet we can change our planet and we can affect change like i don't know just the fact that we have that power as as the human race and we're aware of it yeah. is a really inspiring and amazing thing and so it it causes us to question our existence and and ask all these questions so it's an amazing it's the human experience is is amazing. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> it's the only one that we know. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, yeah, we don't know the experience of frogs or fish or. <laughs> yeah, but um, very. Um, there's this uh, motivational speaker, life coach, uh, past football player, Bo Eason. Um, he uh, he's a life coach now, and uh, one of the things he says is that this is your story. There's nothing. No one else has your story. This is the only one you'll know as far as we know and tell it like that. This is your story. So live it, tell it and tell it well. Yeah. 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 And, and it's cool. Like all these things we've talked about so far, I feel the, the consistent uh, theme is, is always bettering yourself. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was cool that just uh, kind of to, to roll back a little bit about what Jace was saying about his journey and, and, and my weight loss and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, even just questioning you know, Monsanto seeds and like all this concept, as long as the root of these questions are to better yourself mm-hmm. or better something, even though if you're not the individual that is making that change, but the fact that you're questioning means that you're allowing somebody else to realize that they can question too. And then it makes it to the point where it, as long as you're just questioning so you understand and, and you see worth in what you're actually doing or why you're asking those questions, I think that's, that's the most important thing is that even from that perspective is that we are bettering ourselves by asking those questions because, and the reason we ask those questions is because we want to better ourselves, right? So it's just, it's cool that like every single one of these concepts all kind of have that same kind of core value that, you know, be better than you were before, be better than, than our past or whatever, right? So yeah. It's, it's well, I awesome. mean, very much what you're about too. I mean, I feel like from the moment you started losing yeah. weight, you've always kind of set out to better yourself uh, unless I could be wrong. But. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and, and uh, getting back to me personally, like it's, it's, I was never a competitive person. Like, I mean, you're from a sports, sports background and, and you're very, probably very competitive. I'm sure your family was very competitive too. And yes. saying, Hey, you know what? Like, this is where you got to go. This is how you're going to, you know, really, you know, move forward and, and the ideals of, of, you know, push, push, push and kind of get the result and that kind of stuff. And I, and I grew into that actually, because my family's not like that. Actually, they're, um, I mean, being, having immigrant parents, they, they were in a different way in the sense that they wanted to be able to sustain a family life and that kind of concept and, and sacrificing, you know, properly thinking about how you spend money and not wasting it and, and, you know, buying food being very important, but maybe not necessarily like, you know, wasting money on extra things that, you know, don't matter that kind of just bring short-term, you know, benefits, but not a long-term final kind of result of, and that's kind of what, one of the biggest motivators for me is, is the way that my family succeeded in this country is that they came here, immigrants not knowing how to speak the language, you know, battling to try to find jobs, 
not having qualifications, not having degrees, that kind of stuff, and then being able to get to where they are. Um, and then all the advantages that we now have as, you know, being born here and, you know, it's, and it's life is, is, is hard, but we have a lot of advantages and it's kind of just taking them in and, and, and grasping them and saying, Hey, you know what? Like here are the things that are positive. Let's use those positive things to, to bring ourselves up. Right. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so like just to, to get personal, like it's a, a huge motivator is literally just my parents, like just how they did it and how they've understood the concept of that you do sometimes have to sacrifice certain things to be able to get other things. And then being able to understand and value what sacrifices are the correct sacrifices for your specific goal. Right. Yeah. That prioritizing. Yeah. Prioritize. Yeah. There you go. Important. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see the, the side stemming from you, the personal development side. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit. I know we're, we're, we're deep into this thing, but, (laughs) uh, what do you do to constantly improve yourself and what's your daily routine? Um, is it just generally or, or generally? Generally. Um, so I, I think self-analyzing is, is really important because if you want to self-better yourself, you can't, I mean, it's just, it's words at, at a certain point, right? Because you could just say, okay, I want to be better than yesterday, but what did I do yesterday? So I think it's, it's always looking back and saying, what did I do yesterday? Where could I have done better? Am I doing those th- same things today? And then what, what physical inputs am I doing to then make those things better? I think that's super important too. And we've had this conversation before and you've actually made me think of a lot of the, the word motivation and what does it mean mm-hmm. to be motivated and, it, and the, the idea behind motivation and, and just where it comes from. Like what, what is motivation? But like, okay, it's a feeling, right? That's all it is. Like yeah. this word is a descriptor of like, of, of how you feel right now, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing any physical action to to do what you want out of that. Right. And, and I remember when when Jace first started, you know, kind of talking about motivation and, and with Push Project, which is a thing that you were doing, uh, which are, you're still doing it, yeah. right? Um, and, and my question, and, and again, it was me being over analytical when it comes to like the way that Jace thinks and that kind of stuff and just being like, well, why are you doing this? Like, what, like, yeah. how are you going to do it? What, you know, what's important? Like, you know, what, what does motivation even mean? And like, just questioning that. Cause yeah. again, it's just a word, but yeah, those but, are crucial questions to ask too. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Um, where can people find the push project? <laughs> uh, I'm just on Instagram right now. I do have a YouTube channel, but there are no videos. I haven't talked about it much late yet. Because it's still in the starting stages. I apologize for bringing it up too early. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is, keep this top secret. You're uh, if you do want to check us out, I'd just say Instagram is the best place to to find it right now. Uh, I haven't made any posts in a while, but there will be more, especially when I'm off on on sur- uh, because of surgery. So on Instagram, it's uh, Push Dot Project, and that that'll bring you right to our page. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to answer uh, a little further uh, to you, Riley, was that it's. Being able to self-assess is the main thing because it's, you can't walk into the next day not paying attention to what you did yesterday because then it's just as if you're literally just doing something randomly that day. Like it's now, here's a new set of things that I have to do, but there's no consistency in, in what you're actually trying to improve, right? Yeah. Do you, do you, are you one for checklists or do you goal set on paper or even on a, on a laptop or are you just more self-assess in your own mind? More in my own mind, and I feel that sometimes that's kind of my uh, my, my flaw. And uh, my girlfriend actually, she always uh, tells me to write things down because she's like, "Make a checklist, like write it down, do it this that way you can look back at it." And, and I, I do sometimes, and I don't other times. And then she'll get mad at me and say, like, 
should have made a checklist, right? Like it's yeah. write it down so you actually know what you're doing. But, and I think it's very important to do that is to write it down, but everybody's different, right? Like it's, if writing it down works for you, you should do that. And that way you can, you know, put it in writing. A lot of people say that, you know, if you put it in writing, it's more likely that you'll actually do it. And, and for some, yes, for, for others, no, I'm, I'm sure that, I think that's something Jason that you said actually said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jason said that before to me and, and I guess it's dependent on, on the person, but, um, but I think again, it's just, uh, it's just asking, you know, again, why, like, it's like, why am I doing this? You know, what is the, the goal? What is the purpose of what I'm trying to do? Um, and have I, what have I done to be able to at least complete a portion of that? Right. And, and I think it's important just asking yourself why you're doing something. Uh, have you done it? Have you gotten closer to that end result? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Are there any personal development books that you would attribute to your success or something that you would uh, recommend to others? Yeah, there's, there's this one that actually through, uh, through work, they, they told us to, to read this because it just really connected to, to our business specifically. But what I started doing is branching it out to just life in general. And it's, uh, um, I think it's called Humble, Hungry, Smart or... One of those three in, 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 that <laughs> in, order. in I know, some I know order. smart's the last one, but, uh, but I know it is one of those three in that, in one of those orders. But, uh, uh, the cool thing was, is that it was something that I was already doing, but then I just saw it in writing basically. So then I'm like, Oh, wait a second. I'm already doing these things, but now I actually understand them. Cause it's like, here's the concept, right? Here's, here's the actual, uh, examples of, of using them. And, uh, the concept is, is basically being humble, um, in the sense that, you know, have a positive outlook, understand that, you know, you're, you're not always going to win, but you're trying, uh, being hungry that you have the hunger to actually continue and, and do better and, and, and the drive and, and, and that whole concept. And then smart, just generally just being intelligent in the sense that you can understand people. So like smarts, a really big one is that if you can communicate, communication is a huge one with being smart. Uh, and, uh, and it tied in perfectly in sales because a lot of the times it's more so it's your team, right? And it's, if you, the concept of a team is that if you're, um, able to, to communicate with your team, one big issue I find, and I'm sure you've all run into this is if you're in a team, you always have that one person that doesn't communicate, right? And they kind of just agree with what everybody's saying just because they want to be part of the majority, but they're literally the problem because they're the one that is not vulnerable enough to, to, um, uh, basically tell you what their thought processes yeah. with certain things. Right. And I think it's, it's when it comes to teamwork, um, it's literally vulnerability of being able to communicate, you know, where you could do better, but being basically feel safe with the people that you're with to be able to explain that the way you can end up having a better team. Cause now you know the flaws of that person yeah. and then you can fix that flaw because yeah. you've communicated that, that uh, vulnerability. I like that thought process. It's, to me, it's it's often the the person wants to feel valued, and then they're more willing to offer their opinion. Right. So it's sometimes it's the culture, and and I think it's it's often easy to even in my working career, there have been those times where you feel unappreciated, and then it's hard, or it might be a toxic workplace, or or whatever. So it's it's difficult to feel comfortable enough sharing your opinions. Yeah. But then there's the opposite when you have that open concept when people value your opinions you're more likely to do it but everybody's experience is so different it's tough to get people on the same page yeah but i would say that often ties into to vision as long as everybody and it's the same thing in an individual's life it's if you're pointing to that one direction but companies it's very much the same thing and they kind of take a, on a life of their own 
where as long as everybody's aimed in the same direction, as long as you know where you want to get to, yeah. it's easier to keep everybody on the same page. And that's where a lot of businesses fail is they either lose sight of where their where their purpose lies or they're they they don't have one to begin with is often the right. the biggest issue. And that's why a lot of businesses fail before they even get their feet off the ground. That's true. That's true. Um and, and, and that teamwork concept too, like it just uh like the humble, hungry, smart thing is also being able to assess other people in the sense that, you know, a lot of businesses and, and, and I like to look at it not just businesses, but this is where I kind of put it into like a lifestyle thing, is that who you surround yourself with. And surrounding yourself with people that are not necessarily alike but have kind of the same mentality when it comes to, you know, how to achieve something. And, and I think the main thing is back to like how, you know, self-assessment for your own personal advance. Um, also being able to assess other people and mm-hmm. in the same way as you'd assess yourself to kind of tie into that group. So uh, from a company perspective, businesses would use this uh, where they'd only hire based off of people that had those same similar ideals where companies that, you know, have failed have already had kind of a mentality where they just hired whoever and it didn't matter who they were. And then now all of a sudden, those are the people hiring other people that are not, say, humble, hungry, and smart. So therefore, they hire people that are not like that, right? And then you're building a team of people that are all not aligned. And then that's the issue is weeding out the people that are not aligned with you and then trying to now rebuild that team aligned with that concept. That's a great perspective on building a team and, and any team, doesn't matter if it's sport, it's business. Mm-hmm. It's really finding people that fit into the values of, of whatever you're trying to accomplish and whatever the business is, whatever the team's trying to accomplish. And I, I look at it in sport. And, and so even the Jets as an example, well, what did they have to do? They got rid of a lot of players who didn't want to be here, who didn't have the drive, who didn't have the determination, didn't right. do the right things and say the right yeah. things. Uh, I, there's so many other examples. I've used, used the Patriots before, but now we have a team. You, even a guy like Line, Winnipeg is good, and comes out with a full article, and his English is choppy and broken, and and yet you can sense that he has love for the city, and we have love for him in return. And when you have those guys, and it's funny, you watch success build in that way too, yeah. where we weren't a couple of years ago. We weren't contenders. We were almost there. We made it to the playoffs. I would say kind of backed our way into the playoffs yeah. and we're out in four games. It was, it was a cool experience and it was, we're almost there. And then we had a year of regression, but, but it's almost the, the vision stayed the same. We kept developing players. We didn't, we didn't completely, de- <laughs> you know, jump ship and, and cut a bunch yeah. of players and change what we were doing. We knew we were on that path and now it seems that the payoffs here and it's, you got, Everybody is seems to be on the same page. Yeah. Truba yeah. might be that one exception because he did ask to be traded and won out. So but apparently it wasn't him though. So it might have been his agent. Uh, it was it was his agent and his father apparently that asked him. It was oh. not him himself that asked to be traded though. Well, if he wants to be here and and the way he's playing seems to be proving that he wants to be here. But yeah, I, just that was more of an example in the way of building a successful team. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's that's such an important thing and it's often overlooked that you need to have that vision of where you're going. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, before we start wrapping this up, I did have one more big question for yes. Dario here. And I like to ask this to all our guests, and I kind of think this is becoming a thing. <laughs> and so the question is, what's the single best piece of advice 
that you would give to someone or that you would give to someone that's trying to better their life or trying to be more positive? Um, it'll probably be something that I've already sort of said today, but to kind of uh, to tie it into all into one thing is um, the big thing was self um, assessment is, is the biggest thing. And just understand that like, like learn what your controllables are and the things you can't control and then not to focus on the things you can't control, but the things that you can. Uh, and th I think that's a huge thing because then it simplifies kind of how you're going to get to your end goal. Um, that's, that, that's my main thing is it's just that yeah. too many people worry too much about things that they cannot that control of, and they control, spend yeah. all their time and they don't get sleep and, you know, waste all this time on things that are not controllables. Uh, and, and just kind of focusing on what you can control, uh, and, and setting realistic goals for yourself basically is, uh, is my main, awesome. my main thing. So I like it and better yourself always. Awesome. <laughs> so as we uh, begin to close out here, where can we find Dario Montanino? Um, like on the internet or like, <laughs> are you asking for uh, my your address? address yeah. <laughs> my address is. No, uh, yeah. We want to get you some more stalkers. Social media. Sure. Social media, yeah. So Feel like, free I mean, to plug yourself, uh, websites, the album, everything. Yeah, so yeah. the album's on uh, www.dariamontino.com. Uh, if you want to check out the video game uh, uh, rock band, uh, the cover band, uh, it's superfxmusic.com uh, or just search SuperFX on Google and you'll find it. Um, not big on YouTube yet, but it'll, it'll start, uh, generating some, you do have some, some big YouTube videos. Though, uh, I do have a name. couple of big YouTube yeah. videos under my name. Uh, I played a couple of, uh, video game, uh, there were, uh, Mega Man theme covers that, uh, ended up being, uh, tossed up on uh, a website that doesn't exist anymore, but it, it was called joystick.com and which is a, um, a big review website for video games and that kind of stuff. And that kind of, uh, attributed to a, a massive following, uh, on, uh, on YouTube. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah so over 300,000 views, I think on that one video, yeah. if not more. Yeah. Wow. That's right. Yeah. It was yeah. a big one for me anyways. Yeah. It's pretty big. <laughs> we got, we're, we're going to hit a thousand views total on our videos, but it's, <laughs> it's go. a growth process, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's cool to have that, that exposure must be an amazing thing. Too. Uh, super effects. I think they're on Instagram as well, right? Yeah. So yeah. Instagram, uh, I have my Dario Montino music on Instagram too. Uh, I'll be updating it with, uh, you know, new videos of me playing uh, a couple of tracks off the album itself. Um, I want to start doing some cover stuff too. So like, you know, kind of converting some pop music into some electric guitar renditions and that kind of stuff, just to kind of get the listener that doesn't listen to progressive rock, uh, something to listen to. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much uh, all the places. Just search my first and last name. There isn't uh, many of, of my first and last name in the world. So that's yeah, true, you'll that's find true. me. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely put some links up on with the video as well. Uh, do you have any shows or anything coming up in the near future? Uh, in August is actually August 26th. We'll be playing with, uh, with that cover band that I was talking about that power glove band that, uh, cool. that is actually coming in. Um, super effects. will be playing with that band, uh, at the, actually at the pyramid cabaret. So it'll be, It'll awesome. be cool to play with those guys and have two video game bands kind of hit it off <laughs> at the same out. time. Exactly. <laughs> so it'll be pretty awesome. That's awesome. Great. Um, so on that note, yeah. So check out uh, Dario's album, Watermarks, at DarioMontanino.com, or it's on Spotify, iTunes, Google yeah. Play Music, all the big things. All basically. the big uh, social media sites, all the uh, all the streaming services, pretty much everything, it's uh, it's up there. Uh, and I want to actually thank you guys for for having me here. Uh, it's awesome to, to kind of surround yourself with people that are like-minded and can kind of you know discuss certain uh, things that a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable talking about and that kind of thing and kind of you know getting a, a, a some really cool content out and and 
just opinions, which is awesome. Well, thank you, yeah. Dario, for joining us. Thank this you. has been, honestly, I would say the most <clears throat> I've ever learned it, during this process is just learning from your perspective. And there is a couple aha moments where I just went, yeah, that perspective's amazing. So uh, learning from you has been awesome. So I want to thank you for that. And thank you for being yeah. on the show. Yeah, Appreciate you having on here. And hopefully it won't be the last time. Um, Any time. (laughs) For sure. And on that note, I guess we should go out uh, a little bit about our social media here. You can find us on Instagram at BeTheChangeYPS. We're also on Facebook under the same name. I'll let Riley take away the email here. (laughs) B.The.ChangeYPS at gmail.com. Got to get the dots in there every time. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, feel free. If you ever have notes for the show or anything that you want to share with us, Send it, uh, send it our way on that email or even just reach out to us on Instagram or the Facebook page as well. Um, we do have a discussion group. It's been moved to next month, but if you want to go to the meetup.com website and sign up for that, it's, it's more of an intimate version of this where we get to talk about our uh, perspectives and our, our life as young professionals thus far. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. And yes, sign up for the volunteering on the meetup.com webpage as well. Perfect. I think that's everything. We got it. All right. So until next time, farewell, everybody. Thanks again, Dario. You're welcome. We'll see you soon. Got the Darth (laughs) Vader voice in there. I like it. (laughs) You're welcome.